0: This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, my name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are well off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs and talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Mike Suderman and Leah Irby are here to chat about two fantastic films in both the modern and classical sense. The movies are Fifth Element and Fight Club. Welcome!
1: Hi! Hey, hi!
0: <laughs> um, how are you guys doing today?
1: Doing pretty good for, uh, you know, lockdown uh, at the end of uh, November. So, mm-hmm. yeah, doing good.
0: Cool, cool. Um, I just want everybody to know that uh, originally this episode was just supposed to be with Mike, but Leah, after watching uh, Fifth Element and Fight Club, had a few things to say, so she decided to join us, and I'm okay, the more the merrier. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
1: think uh, did you actually write, you wrote papers on Fight Club in college?
2: I wrote at least one paper. Yeah. I took at least one course on masculinity in pop culture in general. And then oh. we got into the toxic masculinity and I spent a lot of time arguing with the instructor.
1: So I feel like if, if it was just me in here and she was listening to me providing feedback, she would, she, and, and... Podcast commentary. There would be a lot of like peanut gallery yelling. So I felt I felt like uh, it's important <laughs> to, to make sure that uh, yeah. she had a place at the table.
0: Oh. I will say I am okay with this. I am I am looking for. I didn't realize this went as far as academics, but that means you have like a serious breakdown coming our way, guys. Oh, so it's gonna no, be no, pretty I, good.
2: Oh dear, <laughs> <laughs> I have very little academic material to offer, but I know myself and I know when I'm not going to be able to stop myself from yelling in the background. So I thought mm-hmm. I might yell in the foreground.
0: I totally get it. I totally get it. So, yeah, I'm glad we're going to get all of this yelling on tape so that everybody can hear it, and it's probably going to be very worthwhile. So we're all set for that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but I guess we can start with the fifth element. Um, I just want to say I still love this movie. I don't, I don't care what it yeah. says. There are definitely a couple of problems with it, um, but I absolutely love this movie.
1: Yeah, it, it is fantastic. Um, rewatching it, uh, just last time was a treat. I actually caught it at the uh, Cinesphere uh, last mm-hmm. summer. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was just uh, like a blast I, to see it on a big screen. Like, it's just uh, all the, the the crazy sets, the crazy costumes. It's just, it's just a delightful movie of like total off-the-wall craziness. And uh, and yeah like it's nice to see movies where bruce willis like is still trying to act uh, I feel like it's been a while since yeah he's done that and uh um it's just it's such a cool looking movie and it's so it's so like imaginative i, I love those like off the wall sci-fi movies
0: yeah and like this is one of those off the wall sci-fi movies that actually like work you know like a lot of the the movies that come out they're just like we're gonna make it crazy we're gonna make it off the wall and then you watch it you're just like this doesn't make any sense it's just like a cluster of nonsense it's shiny and there's colors but there's not much to it whereas this has it's shiny and colors and it's got good acting and the storytelling is awesome and the overall story is really awesome and it just has some really cool like little tidbits in it as well which i find amazing so yeah, I sat watching this movie for like the hundredth time, just still smiling, and I'm just like, This is okay. So and I laughed yeah. at all the right moments. And I'm like, Oh, this smart <laughs> telling you, it's fine. Super green, it's yeah. okay. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. The crazy world building is just so so great where we have got this big evil mega corporation. Gary Oldman is just this totally bizarre, like pre Hunger Games, Hunger Games villain. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh he, he's like got these goofy guns and, and that, like, are given to these, like, space orcs that yep. we learn can do shape-shifting. Um, yep. And they and, only
0: shape-shift into models for some reason. It's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's, uh, it's really, uh, it's so, like, well-realized and, and mm-hmm. like, uh, the, the universe feels so, like, full of of details um Mm -hmm. i read that uh um uh luke besson had basically been noodling around with the idea since he was 16 or something so it was just like uh um like you could it feels like something that had too much
3: uh
1: yeah yeah (laughs) there's like everything has too much backstory in it but Mm -hmm. uh that's part of what i loved it
0: but i think that's one of the reasons why it works because everything actually seems to have a point and a meaning because he had all of this time to think about all of their backstories and why they're here why they're doing what they're doing why this guy's being an ass and why this guy's funny (laughs) and how come he knows how to shoot all of the weapons and fly all of the things like all of that is in there because since he was 16, he's just like, what if this guy was like this and, oh, but then we'll build it up like two years later and maybe it's all this and stuff coming together. But he he knew what to cut out of the movie, not to make it boring, but to build into the character automatically. So we're just like, we understand your motivation. We understand what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And it's, it's, it's very arch. It's not like it doesn't have a lot of really over, uh, over ambitious plot or character things like Mm -hmm. it's good versus evil the elements are the you know fire water it's not like there's no real complications there the Mm. the like quote-unquote reveal at the end that love is the fifth element is like (laughs) uh and and then he has the lover it's like it's so corny but it meshes with the rest of the the film like the Mm -hmm. The yeah yeah Yeah,
2: famously the five elements
0: fire water air earth and smooching
2: yeah it's it's called
0: it's it's heart guys they're just putting together captain planet that's it Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. all that that's going on there (laughs) yeah yeah uh what i think is really funny i was i was reading about his ideas and where it came from and all that kind of stuff and he said one of his ideas like um where this movie came from, where the ideas stem from, was actually reading the the French comic book that Valerian um, yep. is based off of. And what's funny is he finally got to make his Valerian movie. And yep. all of the things that make Fifth Element great is all of the problems that are in Valerian that make that movie bad. I'm sorry, but it's true. Yeah,
1: it's... See, okay, I I will defend Valerian, but it is a deeply flawed thing. Mm-hmm. I like, I I love that it's 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 not just spaghetti thrown against a wall, but it's like it's like just taking a whole pot of spaghetti and just like flinging it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like certainly the the opening of the beginning where they're building the the city of the thousand planets, mm-hmm. where like all of this successive alien introductions, that's like actually genuinely like a fantastic bit. But the rest of it is just, like, a whole bunch of ideas that are, like, very loosely connected and uh, really badly, like, plotted. And the characters are totally, like, uninteresting and stuff like that. But I, I absolutely I, I,
0: agree with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I But I still love the hell out of watching it. I, I saw yeah. it in theaters.
0: <laughs> I, I watched Valerian once. And I know I should probably give it another shot. But I... Like you said, like the beginning like, gave me so much hope for the movie because that opening yeah. was so amazing. But then you get introduced to your protagonist and you're just like, what?
3: Oh, what is happening? Yeah.
0: And then it just falls apart. And unlike in Fifth Element, where there's clearly a background to them and there's clearly reasons for certain motivations, in this it just felt like, no, we're just really cool, so we're going to do whatever we want. And you're just like, that's not enough. This isn't working for me. And then the whole yeah. plot, like they're trying to like save a civilization and everything. I get it, but that civilization makes no sense and getting there is so overly convoluted that you just like, I don't care by the end of it. Yeah. Which is completely opposite to what happened to the fifth element, right? Because the fifth element could have had exactly the same problems and it didn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. The fifth element has a really like clear and basic story structure that they follow and they're like all all the set dressing is around that but the structure is very straightforward and and that helps a lot of those wacky sci-fi films because it's like you don't want to be keeping track of all sorts of crazy like whatever you you uh, like i think in a in a 2 hour movie you can only have so much uh new ideas uh like and so if if you're gonna have a lot of crazy world building you probably want to have a simple plot because you don't want people trying to be following like a really tense complicated like thriller plot while also trying to keep track of all your crazy sci-fi world building right like correct you kind of have a a budget of attention that you want to be able to spend in in effective ways use it where it's gonna really benefit the movie and the story rather than Mm -hmm. like just throwing everything into one one big pot and that's why like yeah, Bruce Willis being, like, a, a hilarious cab driver. I don't, I don't know any of the actual <laughs> character names. Uh, yeah. So I'm just referring to the actor he's names. He's
0: Corbin to- Dallas. There mm-hmm. we
1: go. Corbin Dallas. Right, of course. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, he's a cabbie. He drives, like, literally a yellow cab that's got the... the the um, Like the uh, checker
0: on the side of it. Yeah, the there. checkers yeah. on the side. Of, like,
1: that <laughs> is that kind of stuff where it's, like, you don't need to introduce the fact that like, it turns out that the Gary Oldman owns the cab, or that his corporation owns the corporation that owns the cab company or whatever, because he gets fired (laughs) before he goes on vacation. Like he, like, we don't need to know any of that stuff. We need to know that he's like a working class guy and, and uh, he's, he's, uh, uh, you know, got some military history and uh, he drives a yellow cab. Like we're in, very quickly we don't we oh, yeah. need to learn all sorts of crazy crap about mm-hmm. the world to, to know that
3: mm-hmm.
1: and so you can from there like the weird uh, adding on of the details is just fantastic like the the um the cigarettes I love they're <laughs> like individually apportioned yeah. and they're they're uh, uh they're like ninety
0: percent filter and like ten percent <sighs> actual cigarette yeah
1: yeah, uh, yeah. It's just like it's so like I don't even smoke, but I just I'm like, oh, that's no good. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's so just, like, like that makes me feel sad.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like stuff like the uh, the other thing I really like is the the Chinese food delivery mm-hmm. hover phone yeah. thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I love so much of this stuff. I'm just
0: Yes, yeah, so that was Mr. Kim. I
3: enjoyed, uh, for
2: this movie, because I don't generally enjoy a lot of crazy world building stuff. Mm-hmm. I you not know, something that comes naturally to me. And um, I have only seen this movie, I think, three times. I think this is my third watch and I love it. But I really enjoy that I can just step out of caring. Uh, and it really does not have um, a lot of sci-fi films like, take themselves extremely seriously and yeah, also they have do. a real feel of a dude busting out all of his notebooks to tell me about the world he's created and like oh <laughs> I often don't care so yeah. this is like I, I can just I'm just gonna <laughs> let Luke Besson like carry on his insane world building but in the meantime there is a lot for me to look at and yes. I have faith that the story is being handled by somebody who cares enough to make sure that it's on tracks and that the movie will get finished as I am watching it, like. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's,
1: it's just a, a, a totally basic MacGuffin, like, yeah. hey, we gotta get these stones, um, that's it, movie. Like, there's, it's just a chase, but, and then everything is built around that. You know, we've, yeah. we've all seen movies where, like, more than one faction is look, trying to get the same thing and ends with Bruce Willis shooting a bunch of people. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's most of Bruce Willis's movies. Yeah. I yeah.
2: didn't expect to be so impressed by the restraint.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
2: Restraint is not really a word that comes to mind when you think about this movie.
1: Right, because it's it's like in a lot of ways very very unrestrained. But <laughs> but it doesn't you don't need to know the details of uh the religion or like the yeah. the the world building of like who are these weird metal aliens are with their like long faces Mm -hmm. to know that it's like no we get the stones uh and if if we get the stones we defeat evil as represented by a single ball of black fire in the sky like there's no complicated you know double crosses really there's no Mm -hmm. like like there's bad guys there's good guys there's evil there's good and Yeah, one
0: thing I think I like so much about this movie is that it is so black and white, where you're just like, he's the bad guy, but I kind of like him. Like, yeah, Gary Oldman is evil, like the Joker. Like, Gary Oldman is that kind of character, where you're like, you're a bad guy, but I kind of like you. But you are evil, there's no doubt about it, right? Yeah. And whereas, like, Mila Jovich and, like, Bruce Willis and um, Ian Holm, like, their whole thing is that they are the good guys. And it's very clear that they are the good guys. And But there's no, like, muddling, like, none of the bad guys are like, oh, well, maybe we're doing the wrong thing. And, you know, change of heart. or Or, no, I'm this way because my mom was mean to me when I was a baby. Or, you know, like, there's no heartwarming backstory. There's no, there's nothing to humanize the bad guys. But there's everything to humanize the good guys. Whereas I think a lot of, like, not just sci-fi, just modern films in general are just like, no, 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 these are people. You have to know their whole story, right? Because people are bad for a reason, and you're like, sometimes people are just bad, you know, and there's nothing wrong with making bad people and good people.
1: And it depends the kind of, like, uh, story you want to tell, right? Like, Mm. in a story where um, evil is defeated every 5,000 years by kissing Mila Jovovich, like... (laughs) It doesn't. You you don't need a lot of nuance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you don't. Uh, um, you, you you don't need the the complex moral gray areas of mm-hmm. uh, you know some some grimmer movies. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about later. It? <laughs> exactly.
0: Yes. Yes, that's very true. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's like, it's all primary colors. It's all, it's all really good. It's yeah. Like even the, the, um, uh, the military is like slapstick and, uh, mm-hmm. um, everything is just like the president is just like professional brow furrower. Yeah, <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it is just, uh, it, it's. It's good. It's, it's like because it's a basic story and really what it is is a celebration of the production design and, the, mm-hmm. and again the world building but like the world building's all there just to serve to be a nice uh, um, like I, I, was, I was watching it and I was like it, it feels kind of like a, uh, like a meringue you know it's, it's, all, it's all light and puffy and, and, and yeah. delicious and exciting and, and not really there's not a whole lot else in there but that, you don't need that it's that
0: you, there, it's enough right it's exactly what yeah. you need yeah, yeah. well we're talking talking about the production design which i is amazing in this film of course mm-hmm. um so and they also did a whole bunch of like weird seeming to me stunt casting in this this whole movie <laughs> i can't so, think of one
2: example of what you could possibly make none of, none at all
0: no <laughs> <laughs> I mean let's start with the costume design right so Jean Paul Gaultier did all of the costume design um, most people will know him for designing Madonna's cone bra in the 80s um, but yeah he did all of the costume design in this movie for from the aliens to you know Gary Oldman's what i believe is a full rubber suit i really do think it's made out of rubber or looks like it is so hot
2: in there he's I know. got a plastic thing on his head too so it's just like to trap any Potential condensation. Oh,
0: yeah, it's just it's just the
2: awful episode of Friends with Leather Pants (laughs) sort of like baby powder escapade of him getting out of that thing.
0: Yeah. Um but (laughs) that's so true. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) But then also the thing i realized about it is that if you look in any scene in that movie, from I don't know, the McDonald's attendants to the scientists to the when they go see uh, Plava Una and everybody that's in the crowd, the costume designs for even like the extras in the background are ridiculous. Like they're crazy.
1: The Devo hats on the priests. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like just, just really everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, obviously um, the, the iconic, whatever uh, skin bandages that, uh, jovovich is running around in in the first bit and uh, like uh even just the cops right the cops are like so uh like classic like old school comic book body armor like they, they have the goopy um uh head shields and uh and they're just like chunky and, and, and like, yeah, they're,
0: they're like slow and disproportionate, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It reminded me a lot of, um, Judge Dredd, actually.
2: Um, yes. when I saw those. Yeah. Very similar vibes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, one yeah. set of people I do feel sorry for is Zorg's, li- like, little minions. Not tricky, but his, like, bodyguards or whatever. I think they ran out of ideas because all they gave them was, a spandex, short sleeve turtleneck, and leather shorts, and a weird purple hat. And I was like, what is this supposed to be? But that's it. Yeah. That, that's my only complaint. My only costume complaint for the whole thing is that. Mm. <laughs>
1: and it's only because it's so crazy compared, like, what they're being compared to.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, I was also reading about the sets. And um though so there's like of course there's a ton of CG in it, but like you know the scenes where they show the city where she's like walking on the ledge and stuff, apparently there's a whole bunch of they're calling them bigotures because they're giant miniature yeah. sets, if you understand what I mean. Where of course they did like CG for like the far background and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, when you, like, when I think, when I learned that and I was, I actually started watching, I'm like, oh, you can see that these are actually, the foreground buildings are actually like real things compared yeah. to like further back. And the detail they put into some of those are crazy. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it, it's before like CG was able to do basically everything, right? It's both, mm-hmm. It was before, um, uh, like Phantom Menace, where they just were like digital everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's like they still yeah. had s- some practical stuff in there because they just couldn't do it. And so it's. Yeah.
2: Right. I'm still going to build the Diva with lengths of rubber tubing.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it, makes, it makes a
0: big difference. Yeah. I right. do have one yeah. question about the Diva though. Mm. So
1: have, she's great.
0: Yeah. She is great. I am not saying no. And I think. Everything about her costume and her design and everything is amazing, but I feel sorry for the actress I was in this because apparently that thing weighed like 45 pounds or whatever. Yeah. Not surprising, yeah. My thing I don't understand about the diva is she's obviously an alien. Is she? Like, where is her skin and where is her clothing? Because all of it seems to be made out of her skin. Ooh. Is that, is that is that just me or, or am oh. I way off? No,
2: you brought up a very good point and I'm not sure how much I want to think about it.
0: Okay. <laughs> because I always thought it was like a lady wearing like a top and, and like a skirt, right? But if you like, after you've watched it as many times as I have and I'm getting ready for this, so I'm paying attention to every detail. I realized I'm like, no, no, no. That seems to be like, even her tubes in her head seem to be, like, part of her skin and all that kind of stuff. The only thing that seems to be, you know, making it seem like it's a skirt and a top and, like, a hat is the fact that she's got, like, bracelets on and a belt. And I'm like, wait a second. Are they holding her skin on? What's happening
1: now? Or is she just, like, nude? Is that what she looks like? Is that yeah.
0: Looks like? You know, like, is it, like, a dog with a belt and a hat on? Like, I don't, I don't know, right? So... Yeah, I got no idea. But yeah, I was very curious about that because I spent a lot of, t- I was paying a lot of attention to the part where he pulls the stones out of her stomach, like her gunshot yeah. wound, which is surprisingly still, um, like, it makes me feel very uncomfortable, even though her blood is blue and all that kind of stuff, so it's not overly gory, but still you're just like, something just died and you're pulling things out of it. That's creepy and yeah. weird. It's um, literally
2: visceral. There's yeah. guts everywhere. Yeah. yeah. They're not the
0: guts you're expecting. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's like uh it's like some kind of weird blue slime. Um, but yeah, like it's it seems to be just like her skin he's pushing through, not like, oh, here's your top and there's your body. It's just her skin. So I don't know. I'm I was just curious as to what the answers. makeup actually is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's
2: I think it's meant to be mostly skin, but then there's the tubes coming out of her head. We don't know whether that's like a hardwired thing for breathing and maybe some kind of extra air for singing tricks.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have no idea. But I've had that question in my head since I watched this two days ago. So I thought you guys might have some enlightening answers for me, but Mm -hmm. I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Based on the amount
2: of slime that's underneath, I'm going to go with it's mostly skin.
0: It's mostly skin. Okay. Gotcha. Perfect. All right, so that's what I was thinking, but then that also brings up a whole bunch of different questions. I'm just going to leave that alone.
3: Okay. okay. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I <you> very close. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, maybe this was actually like a, uh, like a burlesque, is, right? burlesque diva show. Like, I think
1: it's weird. Yeah, because like when we see her at the very beginning, like she's she's, whole, yeah, she. Got a hold Yeah, she's.
2: Got a hold like uh, she son. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's very like uh, modesty and all that stuff. So I can I can see there being some like you know crazy backstory about how it's it's like only when performing does she whatever or is yeah, that's what she's paying for who knows?
2: <laughs> yeah, sixteen-year-old Luc Besson spent a lot of time thinking about this. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like there's probably notebooks full of musings about the blue lady that yeah. I don't need to look at it yeah yeah
1: well (laughs) accused sexual predator Luke Besson yeah probably
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. oh no yes (laughs) um and the other thing about the diva is so of course like the operatic was composed by Eric Serra who was the composer for the film and Of course, nobody can hit any of those ranges and stuff. And for years, there's been a weird debate about, like, is it a real opera singer? Or, you know, was most of that done just, like, electronically? Apparently, it's a combination of the two where, like, so they, obviously, the first part was sang directly by the opera singer that they hired. Um, But she technically sings all of the notes of the song. And the parts where she couldn't possibly do what they did was they had her sing the notes, but then splice it together so that's why it does sound electronic at certain points yes yeah So i, I thought that was a really cool tidbit
1: that's, that's really cool yeah
2: uh when i recorded if i may be permitted a small humble brag about my nerd cred mm-hmm. i recorded the theme vocals for earth final conflict they did a similar thing where they sampled my singing the lick at the end of the the theme song so that it could be repeated in any key oh that's pretty cool that was one of my first jobs because i was very young at the time and i immediately watched myself be replaced by a synthesizer who would sing the lick perfectly in any key at any time without needing (laughs) to (sighs) be and that's what life of a musician it's very glamorous let me tell you
0: obviously obviously
2: but it certainly made me think of that uh not least because of the blue tall-headed alien thing yeah yeah
1: well, and, and I think it totally fits because it's like a, they, they hire somebody who's totally talented and can do all this stuff. But also uh-huh. the whole deal is that everybody has come from Earth to this crazy alien thing to see a, something that is inhumanly possible. Like it, it, for, for it would be impossible for a human to replicate. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that like yeah. using, using digital stuff to or whatever to... to Um, enhance it It makes sense oh yeah
2: yeah the the scene obviously is is the pacing is fabulous in that scene, but uh, I remember really falling for it the first time and being like uh I guess I just don't appreciate opera the same way that Corbin Dallas does because he's got tears in his eyes and like how much longer is this gonna and then it gets fun again and it really again the movie is just like you didn't it's okay. We know what you came here to watch. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. We're gonna just splice it together with an action scene and like this, uh, this like up tempo. Uh, yeah. That's
2: like it's, I've just been watching stuff exploding and very bright colors for the last hour and change. Like I'm not gonna be able to make this downshift with the movie, but it's okay.
1: Yeah. It's very, very. Good. But it's it's very cool that they even tried to do that, right? It's it's mm-hmm. a part of why it's such a weird and wacky uh, movie.
0: Yeah, like, I think uh, what they did with the editing is the thing that really makes the movie is that there are, there's very high intensity and very calm moments. Like, like there's just very, like, ebb and flow thing to the whole pacing of the movie that just works really, really well. Because as soon as the movie starts, it's a pretty, like, it's pretty quiet. It's pretty quiet. All of a sudden, the aliens show up, and you're like, what is happening? And you're like, it's 1944. This is crazy. And then... Yeah. He goes, Luke Perry Wait. is
1: here for some reason. Yeah,
0: you're like, Why Why is he here? This is just so weird. <laughs> it doesn't <And> matter. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Every time I see him, too, I'm like, Oh, yeah, Luke Perry's in this. I'm like, yeah,
1: <laughs> but he's not really, like, he doesn't he's know not. What's seen. And then it's like, Why just so that we could put him in the credits? Like, what the <laughs> why was he cast there? It seems like it would be. Like, he ha- had better things to do in 1997, I feel.
0: You would have thought so, but apparently not, because there he is. I mean, what do you do about it, right? I mean,
2: it really feels like he had a weekend. Yeah. I mean, they were like, I guess we can write a, a scene where he's in, sure. And right. Luke Perry is probably just like, I. that sounds great. Can I take home the Gucci clothes? Okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and um, then- and then they just they can put his name on the poster and up the sales i guess
0: <laughs> i guess
2: it's a weird
0: yeah but i mean like bruce willison 1997 was a huge star he's drawing in the names by himself yeah oh, was, i would think
2: scary to capture the evasive
0: teen girl market for this movie i guess <laughs> mm-hmm. apparently though um elizabeth berkeley auditioned to play lulu So that would have been interesting. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: I don't know. So for me, the only thing that I'd seen Miljovic in before was Days and Confused. And where she sings a little song about aliens. And that I think is the only speaking she does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sings a little song. Watch them fly away. So it's like a very fitting thing that the next thing that I was aware of her doing was being in this.
3: (laughs) And
2: it like, it really heightened this, like, mystical character who does not have regular speaking lines mm. feel that she had. And I just feel like it wouldn't have been the same, although I would have loved to see what they did with her hair.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing, like, like when Mila drove, Like, this was the, really the beginning of her career, right? Because, like you said, in the other movie, she didn't really do anything, and it was she was just kind of, like, in the background and not really, like, a star... And in this movie, it's like, it's clearly that she is one of the focuses of the film. And I was actually surprised how much actual acting she does in this, you know? Like, it's, yeah. it's, and it's really, it really comes across. Like, even her talking about, like, talking in the divine language, like, how she does it so, like, quickly, and, like like, that's her native tongue is almost what she sounds like. And then there's a lot of, like, just emotion in her eyes and all that kind of stuff so even from the first time i saw this movie like i'm always surprised how much she does this early in her career and that well
2: yeah it although there are issues that i have with the character but it's certainly not in her craft and ability in portraying the character
0: Well, yeah, she's a manic pixie girl, technically. I mean, she's the girl that's there that's weird and wonderful, but the man has to save her for some reason, even though she's very capable on her own, and the story wouldn't work unless she is saved by this man who suddenly falls in love with her, despite the fact they technically have very little actual interaction with it. Yeah. With each other, you know what I mean? So... Yeah there's a, there's there there are problems there in the actual like love story like the whole tell me you love me thing at the end you're just like but why he shouldn't really love her he've been like yeah you're cute and stuff but i need to get to know you better or something
1: Yeah but it, like again it's like i i totally agree uh but it's it's like the love is so corny because the rest of the movie is corny like mm-hmm. the yep. the it, it fits in with that like um kind of fairytale-ness of the whole film rather than like like you said if if we were trying to make realistic characters of these people with backstories and complicated feelings about the Mm -hmm. gray areas of morality like yeah yeah, we wouldn't get it but it's 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 to go back to your point before, it's, we're in uh, uh, Captain Planet territory here.
3: Yeah,
1: we're not we're not playing with heavy themes. We're playing with like goofy, well, evil.
0: yeah. Like you brought up the fairy ness of it, and it's true. And so, like, so there's a parallel between that scene and a scene that's earlier in the movie where um, Corbin takes Lilu to see the priest. And the priest is like, well, Cornelius is like, well, wake her up and she's like sleeping beauty. And for some reason he's like, I'm gonna kiss her, which just seems ah. seems so weird. And it, it always makes me uncomfortable because I'm just like, why would you kiss her? I don't understand why kissing her was the option that we well, went with. Starting point. Yeah. 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 But it still has that sleeping beauty effect to it, right? But that doesn't go correct. Whereas by the end of the movie, because of the adventure they've had and their interaction—they're like the kiss makes more sense, but there's still issues with it. And it's they, true they're, I mean,
1: they're bonded over their over their mutual trauma of having been through uh, <laughs> de- deeply frightening uh, life or death situations. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> We, at this point we have all seen speed and we know that relationships built on <laughs> kind of experience don't last <gasps>
0: <laughs> are you sure about that i don't know those are those are the perfect kinds of relationships
2: i think there's the um the really excellent uh pop culture detective video about the born sexy yesterday trope that mm-hmm. explores this uh in a lot more detail than i am prepared to certainly and i i you know i think that gets the message across so i'm content to sort of watch the movie as a product of its time. And even the fact that they give that small nod to the fact that he has this incredible misguided, mm-hmm. maybe I'm a prince kind of <laughs> feeling and kisses her to wake her up, which is so, you're in a priest's house. I'm not religious, but it just seems extra creepy. The yeah. whole thing is the wildly out of left field and and she wakes up and freaks out, which is very right. Yeah. Um, Again, it's not to absolve the movie, which is still look, is still deeply problematic, but that even that little bit, right? I wanna acknowledge the baby steps. Yeah. Also right after that, she puts on a makeup with the Chanel makeup applicator. And just to take a wild left turn, can we talk about that for a second?
0: Yes, we can, for sure. Because oh, there's there's a uh, few things in that priest's home that I, I have questions about. Okay, you start. Go ahead.
2: That is one of my questions. Did they choose that to match her hair? Or like, do we think the priest has like a couple of these the way that like a really considerate single man thinks about putting a lid on his bathroom uh, trash, right? In case his female Mm -hmm. friends come over. Does a really considerate single priest just think about like, what if I rescue a princess and she has a darker complexion? I better get two or three of these just
3: in case.
1: (laughs) Do we think it's a single complexion? Or do we think that it's it's a machine that like, reads out the hair and skin tones and, I don't know, eye color, and then, like, applies as appropriate.
2: This is my other question. Is it a smart applicator? Yeah. Because they're already, already, you can get your foundation tone. I am instructing Mike about this. You can get your foundation tone custom blended, and they will Pantone color code your skin for you Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. when you do it. So, that's it seems weird and corporate in all of the ways that like society is headed right towards that part of the fifth element. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm ready for that part. I don't know about like flying cars and the whole rest of it and the aliens and the evil or anything. <laughs> but, like, if
0: I could just, I feel like we're so close to that one thing.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, so, like, that has to be some sort of smartness to this device in the first place. Because she doesn't know what she's putting on her face. She puts it on her face with her eyes open. So I'm surprised she didn't get makeup in her eyes. But also, the makeup lined up perfectly, you know, smoky eye with a little red on the top. And it was it was perfectly lined. So there has to be some sort of, like, um, I don't know, like, face augmenting something to right. for them to figure out where to put the actual stuff. Right.
1: What was missing uh, was either the the young priest or uh, Corbin Dallas accidentally putting it on as well, yes! and then we'd be able to tell because, like, if if they receive the exact same like co- color and tone on their mm. eyes, then we know that it's just a single like it does this one thing, and maybe it applies it really like intelligently, but it, mm. it's always going to come out with the with those colors, yeah. whereas. If, if it was a different, if they had their own, um, or... Uh, what is
2: Zorg's makeup going to look like? <gasps> this yeah, is right? Right? I did Not know yeah. I needed a Yeah.
0: Well, the thing, but it's, so you have to realize the only person who's out of place in that time period is Lilu. So... All of the other men in the group would know exactly what that thing is because even when the young priest comes out, he's just like, Oh, and this is you know, you know, he does one of those things. It's it's kind of like um like Stallone not knowing how to use the three seashells. Like everybody else knows, it's fine, but you know how to use the three seashells? he he doesn't he doesn't understand any of it. So it's the same thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, much,
1: absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's uh it's 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 a lot of fun, uh, just to see those like all of those details about all
0: that. Yeah. Yeah, well, cause even um Zork's secretary had a Chanel thing that was for her nails oh. and she just put her finger in it and it came out of color. So do you are have to <laughs> Yeah, right? So are those like nail polishes where you have to buy one that has a different color, or does that thing automatically do different colors? I don't know. Oh, yeah,
2: I mean, if we did it today, it would be like a Keurig, right? Where there's like a non-recyclable, highly toxic cartridge. That you
3: one. <laughs> yeah. You
2: probably yeah. will eat that you after six months and be like, your nail polish is no longer fresh. Like that juicer that doesn't allow you to use pods that are juiced after a...
1: Juicer-o? That one. Yeah,
0: yeah but didn't they pull that from the market because people realized they could just squeeze the pods and it does the same thing? Yes. They super did. Yeah, so... Um.
1: But but yeah, yeah, like or even just like a like a um, a printer, you know, where they sell, sell you a really cheap printer and yeah. like, you know, have yeah. really expensive.
2: They get you on mm-hmm. the refills.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. You buy a hundred dollar printer, but an ink cartridge replacement is a hundred and fifty dollars, and you're just like, I'll just buy a new printer.
1: Yeah, but they the the ink cartridges that come in the printer are smaller size.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, they are. That's yeah. true. It's all very yeah. annoying. It's all yeah. very annoying. Uh,
1: yeah, I also yeah, I can see that that's how they would because it's a very like uh, it, capitalism gone wrong kind of future. Like what little bits we see of it, where, where like he gets fired like by mail, uh, mm. but like in a in a mass firing of one million employees, employees. <laughs> like
2: I'm surprised they're employees.
1: Well, I mean, this <laughs> is still the '90s, right? We didn't we didn't have the but yeah they
2: there yeah. the innovation. Yeah.
1: Have in our dystopian future.
2: I do want to say about that though. I know we're, we're rocketing all over the place because it was important to me that we talked about
1: that. <laughs> it was very
3: important.
2: <laughs> but uh, it's like I saw the, the point and I did need it pointed out to me because I didn't catch it on my, my three watchings because there's a lot going on in this movie that that owns the corporation that ultimately fires Corbin Dallas. But uh, he deserved to be fired. <laughs> this is not like a he's yeah, well, yeah. laid off because he's like. A hard done by kind of guy, right? there he
1: okay. he's still hard done by, but he was out of points on his license. Uh, the uh,
2: one made the conscious, extremely telegraphed choice to run from the cops. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: and okay. presumably all of the other choices that led to him only having whatever it yeah. was five two points, points
0: on his license. Yeah, yeah. And
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm not arguing that. Like, I think you know, I'm I'm not like. Arguing that if you just do what the cops tell you that you are in the right in society, obviously, but I am saying it shouldn't have been a huge surprise to him to have been fired. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Outrunning oh, yeah. the
1: NYPD. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if Gary Oldman <laughs> turns around and says, "Fire a million employees," and there's that like, list
2: of infractions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're okay. gonna
1: start, and <laughs> Corbin Dallas is at the bottom, being like, "If you needed to fire one person, fire this guy." <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was not a model. He was not a model employee in any way, shape, or form. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: I was also really interested in it, and maybe we'll come to this at a different point, but uh, in the, the voiceover from his mom, mm-hmm. who, I just feel like um, it's a weird thing to lend so much weight to. I know, Mike, you were talking about when we were watching it, just like they end the movie on the voiceover from his mom.
3: And they're
2: yeah, like, that's, they're that's all they're the And for a movie that does so much stunt casting, I was surprised <laughs> that it was a bigger name. I thought it was very yeah, it was.
0: I so, saw the the name I, of the person. I was like, "Who is this? I have no idea who this is." Yeah,
1: it's all of us. It's, it's <laughs> it, it was. I I feel like if it, if it was someone too recognizable, it, it would not be as effective. It needs to be. <laughs> I don't know. It's just there's there's something so uh, '90s and like written by a teenager, where <laughs> the biggest hero, action hero you can think of, was like has like one gun battles and and air like dog fights on two planets, planets. by now yep. is still like <laughs> being berated by this voice like like this this faceless uh invisible omnipresent mother <laughs> who can somehow find the president's phone number like there's no Yeah like which is so it. weird. Yeah. Yep.
0: One yeah One thing I found really weird too is that um when he goes by uh, Victor Cornelius's, uh like residence, he's like, "I found your name in a phone book," and I was like, "I'm sorry, what? Yeah. It's twenty-two forty-four, yeah. and you're flipping through a phone book? What? Is, what okay. are you talking about? This is this yeah. is right." Makeup
2: comes in a cartridge. Phone numbers mm. are still
0: printed on trees.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay,
0: yes. So, sorry, we're back at technology. Okay, so the other thing I found really interesting was. The microwave, I'm going to call it. Uh, Where yes. she poured a bunch of pills into a bowl, shoved it in,
1: turkey there comes pressed
0: out. a button, and it was like a millisecond. It's like, boop, and it's finished. Yeah. And a whole turkey there with like potatoes and beans and everything comes out. Sorry, it's chicken because she yells chicken like 12 times.
1: Oh, sorry.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I was just like... It was just Thanksgiving.
1: We're all
0: thinking
3: about turkey.
0: We're all thinking about turkey, Yeah. But my question is, is each pill she poured into the thing a different item? Like one pill was the chicken and one pill was the beans and one pill was the potatoes. Or is it just like, you know, you get what you get? No, I I think it's
1: it's probably a little bit like the Keurig thing again, where it's like, but but not like the regular Keurigs, but like those fancy ones where you can get like cappuccinos or whatever, where they have like one pod for the, the espresso and one pod for the froth. And then like, you know, so probably it's like, you know, you put in these two beans or th- these two pills and that's the beans. And then you have to put in like one whatever like rehydration pod for every seven it's probably really complicated and but <laughs> yeah. because she's a perfect being this is my headcanon oh, yeah. uh, oh, because she's she... a perfect being just her her the what she randomly oh. chose it was was impeccably perfect it was exactly uh, what it needed to be to, to, yeah because she just innately knows how to do this she's she's able to feed herself in any part of the universe at any point in time because this is part of the universe's uh, ability to uh you know to mm-hmm. fight off evil. I think this <laughs> this is 100% exactly how how I interpret that. So yeah,
3: she knows.
2: Yeah, yeah, go
0: ahead. That, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. We have not explored this. Head, this head canon is new to me and instantly answers a lot of my questions. <laughs> God. Does, does the universe then also bring her big dumb dudes? On um, Corbin's Dallas, if you will.
1: Almost certainly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I I think that they they would they would have to be because it can't work without the love, right? So mm-hmm. it's like if um, she had—I mean, the priests—that's not going to work, right? Like I don't—I don't know what they their weird Devo religion is about, like uh, whether they have uh, um, uh, any kind of like chastity or or anything. But uh, I mean, certainly,
2: I am imagining what a Jean Paul Gaultier chastity belt looks like, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man probably,
2: famously worked with tin cans.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. probably fabulous and very sharp edges yeah 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 not yeah. mm-hmm. good uh but but my point is like you know you need you, like if if every all of the crazy death-defying stuff was required so that we could at least get you know this fairy tale explanation about why they love each other even if that's not even realistic but like you know th- then not only does the universe send uh, her dumb dudes. Does the universe send adventure? Does there have to be a villain? Does there have to be a whole thing? Because other, like, what, what, if, what if everything had gone perfectly right, and then, like, you know, they're just like sitting there, and she can't fall in love because she's, you know, not, not there's been no adversity. Then suddenly the universe implodes.
0: Well, okay, so on that note. Um, <laughs> want to deep more
1: uh, yeah.
3: folks. Well,
0: <laughs> okay, so I think, like, whatever alien the diva is, they're, yeah. they seem to be um, empathic or telepathic, but also know the future right? Because it's very clear when she's on stage and she's crying, she knows her assistants are dying. She knows something is going wrong. And she swallowed those stones or, you know, surgically inserted them or whatever, because she knew she would be there and she knew her her life was about to end and they needed to be with her physically to get them to Corbin, right? And I think that's part of the overall, like, the universe has a plan thing. Because if the universe didn't have a plan, there'd be no way to tell the future. And so, like, all of that was part of the big plan to push things in motion. So one, two, three, four, five, six, everything lines up, and we save the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that makes perfect sense. If, if Chris Tucker hadn't been there, in exactly doing that show,
3: <laughs> uh then
1: the the entire universe would like he also provided well he was the fire, except I mean he didn't actually provide it. Yes but holding the fire. He was adjacent to the fire, fire. stone. Yes. Like it, it's it's all it's all a, an intricate <laughs> deterministic web of universe uh cohesion.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even with Corbin through all of that, he had his single um His single match in his pocket, which technically didn't make any sense because if you watch the scene where you see the single match being had, he is smoking in his apartment at home. He opens it. There's two, there's two matches. He takes one out, closes it and puts it back on the shelf. So how did those matches end up in his pocket? Okay. I'm sorry. I really You're have seen right. this movie like a hundred times. So <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as, as
3: somebody
2: who's not super organized and uh-huh. who used to smoke, I would consistently have matchbooks rattling around with one match left at the bottom of every purse. At every and purse. I, yeah. I don't think that's okay. his only matchbook. It just he seems like the kind of guy who maybe is at a point in his life where, <laughs> like <laughs> metaphorically speaking, he's down to his last match, but he has matchbooks kind of everywhere.
0: <laughs> he's down to his last match, last nerve, last snack, last job. Everything, everything. everything's over. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah last
1: point see. on his license. <laughs> yes, last, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> last individually served cigarette. Mm,
3: uh, yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, but,
0: Corbin ha- but Corbin actually has a pretty sad backstory because he was part of an elite squad in the military who his whole unit died. He's the only one left. He was out of the army for the last six months, but his wife left him for, oh my God, I'm going to forget what it is. Like his accountant or something.
1: I don't know. Yeah, um, a lawyer lawyer something? Uh, yeah, that might be
0: it. Yeah, and then they're just—he's stuck in this Perfect. tiny apartment with this very pretty cat, and it's very odd. That's his life. Yeah, I don't know.
1: But again, like we don't know a lot about Corbin. We don't get a lot of those details about like why his unit got killed, what what his you know what what the the um, main points of contention with his ex wife were, any of these, but. We can infer that, I mean, he doesn't make a lot of great choices ever. He does not. So, so again, like, how much of this is him being Corbin Dallas and uh, kind of bringing it on himself, you know? Like, uh, I feel like the same guy who shot up that lobby probably (laughs) isn't, uh, like, the tactical genius that's going to make sure uh, all of his – all of his men get home in, in Safe one place. place you
0: know? Yeah. I, I mean, he does He does really go out there, like, guns blazing, blows up the whole place, and yeah. you're just like, was that unnecessary? He could have just gone out the back. Like, didn't didn't
1: you know. he Bugs Bunny machine gun out the floor around uh,
3: <laughs> Yes, Chris
1: Tucker? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Again, it's, this seems... Like we're taking a lot of risks with lives and people. I yeah. just what I'm saying is, uh, I I understand your point about his backstory, but I'm mm. I feel like there's there's a lack of I I don't need a lot of sympathy to allow <laughs> me to continue to enjoy the movie. The movie, yeah. It.
0: Well, and but that's what makes this movie so good is that you you can just like. Yeah, we're, right now we're analyzing it and we can see certain flaws and everything, but we can also see, like, the intricacies in it. But this is, like, the kind of perfect movie that if you just want to enjoy something that's both, you know, has great visuals and it's an enjoyable storyline, you could just sit back and watch it and be like, what? And then pick out the really cool details in it. And, like, even watching it this time, and I've watched it so many times, I found out who the voice of Finger was and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. What
3: did
0: do you know who the voice of Inger is? No. It's Vin Diesel. What? Yeah.
1: That's amazing.
0: Cuz for years I'm like I know that voice, but if you look on like IMDb and stuff, he's not credited at all for the voice. But it's his what? voice.
1: That's incredible.
3: Wow.
0: Yeah.
1: Long before I am Groot, there was Yeah.
0: Well, he also I mean- did the voice of the Iron Giant, didn't he?
1: to
3: me
0: i'm pretty sure it was him yeah (laughs) i'm like 90 for the chair yeah
1: that's awesome
0: i watched iron giant for the first time like two years ago i never understood why people were like oh my god why is this so great then i finally watched it i was like that's pretty good i love kids movies and i am prone
2: to sympathetic tears and so everything i know about the iron giant is like it's like toy story three i don't know if i need to sit down and just do that to myself
0: yeah, Vin Diesel does voice the Iron Giant. Yeah, that's ah, yeah,
1: that's great. That's delightful.
0: Yeah, yeah if like, cause when I found out he was doing Groot, I was very confused. I'm like, why is he doing like this random continuous voiceover? But then I found
3: out. It
1: would be like in movies for before, like like it makes sense because it's stunt casting in Groot, but like before Vin Diesel was Vin Diesel, like. Big dudes. Like yeah, I guess
2: they already had cast Bruce Willis, so they were like, "Who's a dude that makes the same noise with his face?"
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that's the thing. I think he was just he just did a bunch of voice stuff early on Super in his Jack career.
1: <laughs>
2: cool. We don't know what he looked like. he might have been a little skinny. Oh yeah,
3: Iron
0: G- Iron Giant Killer. after this. Okay. Oh no, the same year yeah. actually as this. Mm. And, yeah, the first thing we would have seen him in is Saving Private Ryan, but I still have never watched the whole movie, so that doesn't count. Huh. Interesting. And then his big break with Triple X. What? Yeah. Oh, God. oh, right. Now, uh,
2: we have not- I don't know if you're saving this. So, <laughs> we finally arrived here. Let's talk about Ruby Rod. <laughs>
0: Yes, we have to because I just have to say Chris Tucker is absolutely amazing in this role and I love it. I mean, I think by far
2: the most delighted
0: I've ever been to see Chris Tucker.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> the whole thing is such a performance. I mean, he is um completely riveting the whole time he's on
3: the screen.
0: Oh yeah, he goes he is like at 800 doing this role, okay? Like he's way beyond anything he's ever done, and he is a relatively outlandish man already. Um, but this was just like next level.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I was gonna say maybe the most delighted I've ever been, but I think he is also in that Michael Jackson video where he's a small animated character. That uh, yep, he's in uh, "You Rock My World," if I remember correctly, and uh, very much the same energy as a small animated character. Just in really? his whole life. like, is that not him?
0: I have no idea.
2: Yeah. But he just, he's got, in a movie already full of cartoon energy. Yes. You were saying there's the scene where Bruce Willis machine guns a hole in the ceiling to drop him down. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um,
2: He's really above and beyond. And yeah, I don't, I don't know that Prince would have brought nearly the same kind of frantic energy that I think the movie really needs. Because I love this movie, but by the time they get there, I am ready for a little more than Milie Jovovich crashing off the walls and Bruce Willis kind of catching her.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they needed a third heat.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Also, um, I, I, I think we looked this up before, but Prince was back to being Prince after being the symbol
0: or the um, artist formerly known as Prince. Yeah.
1: So anyway, it's just
0: at that point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Prince was in his journey. Uh, um, at this point, may not have jived with the slapstick comedy that was required of that role. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's yeah. the thing. Like, I don't think the role would have been slapstick at all if Prince was in the role. Like, he would. Right. I think he would have done the lines, and I think. But, like, the be- whole part where he's, like, yeah. screaming and all this kind of stuff, and even, you know, the the fast-talking Ruby Rod, like, I think he could do it, but it would definitely be more subdued, very, like, um, more, like, seductive. Even though, like, Ruby Rod is supposed to be... Like, he's, he's pretty much, like, I don't know. What did they do in the 70s? Like, it was, like, he's, like, glam rock, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, whereas I think Prince would have just been... Just generally, like suave, in the role instead.
1: Yeah, Prince wouldn't have, and and this is you know, uh, a little bit weird talking about Prince, but he wouldn't have been crass enough, I think.
3: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
1: Like, there there needed to be something both so charming and so unlikable about it, and I think Chris Tucker was able to do that energy because he's supposed to be as annoying and like the anti Dallas Corbin right like Dallas Corbin he's, he's gruff he doesn't talk a lot he doesn't uh yeah, like yeah. you know he's a man of few words but of, of lots of action mm-hmm. uh this was just like the exact opposite where it's just stream of words and <laughs> like when action happens, just screaming and terror. <laughs> yeah,
0: and like he goes into like these back and forth weird moods and sings, and he is like just this like outlandish individual. And also, I just want to make one quick note: apparently, Prince turned on the rule because he thought Ruby Rod was a little too effeminate for him.
3: FYI. <laughs> what?
1: So I'm saying, well, about his journey, you know? Yeah, like it's where, his
3: journey.
1: Yeah. Where was Prince feeling he needed to be at that point in his time? So,
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I, I want to talk about this a little, because one of the things that makes Ruby Rod likable even a little bit is how vulnerable he is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, like, he is immediately, like, just a, a mess of neuroses. Mm-hmm. Um, extremely camp. But he's also, like Mike was saying, like, he's also, like, hypersexual, but also, like, hypermasculine and stuff. Like, he really zooms around. They give him a lot of room to explore, more than I would have expected in this kind of movie.
0: Well, that's why I compare him to, like, that whole grand- glam rock of the 70s where you had people like David Bowie who wore, like flashy skin tight glitter outfits that were very would have originally been like no that's a lady's outfit that he's wearing you know with this big hair and he's got like his makeup on and you know he's moving his hips and he's like dancing and and all this kind of stuff but he will fuck you like like you know what i mean like it was that kind of like craziness and i think ruby rod definitely like what you're saying just describes all of that where it's like it's very like it gives you like weird feels because you're just like you're kind of a lady but hmm, there's
3: They're
1: there's
0: something girl. else going on in there right you know yeah
1: the the like uh surprisingly explicit uh sex in the uh like uh plane over yeah space space cruise space cruise plane mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh is like like i because when i was watching it i, I I was thinking like partially it's just like yeah, exactly his seventies like omni pansexuality, omnisexuality. But also I, I feel like especially in the nineties, especially for like this kind of a weird sci-fi movie, is that it allows them to do so much more because they they upfront it with the like this weird no homo of <laughs> He yeah. bangs ladies. It's yeah, fine.
3: Yeah.
1: Then all the effeminateness they, they're yep. they're allowed to get away with because he's mm-hmm. he's like mm-hmm. like it, it's just a, a little bit. I don't know. Like I yeah. I I think there's probably a lot of complexity around that character that I'm not really equipped to talk talk about. But mm-hmm. like it's uh uh it's really fun to just just see it and and yeah he's he's not uh the butt of the jokes the way that no, uh, he's not yeah. i think a lot of movies would use a similar character
0: yeah well but I, I also think it's it's a commentary on the cyclical nature of people's attitudes and fashion sense because like i mean we go through this every couple of years like in the 90s for example bell bottoms came back and and all that kind of stuff and like like grunge and you started having people with you know with plaid and and um the whole use of safety pins and outfits and all that kind of stuff came back and then you know in in the 2000s people were just like we're gonna do 80s style stuff and you know we're gonna have bright colors and neon and be big and different and whatever and everything's gonna be okay and then you know in the 10s you've got um it was sort of like the early nineties came back. And I think even now we're sort of going back to the seventies again. And I think that might be an idea to it, especially when you have like a designer, like Gautier in there, who's been designing Mm -hmm. for years and years and years. And he draws his inspiration from all over the place. He's just like, you know, what at this point in time in our future, what would a shock jock radio personality be like? You know what I mean? And I think, that's what he was reaching for. He was just like, what, what evolutionary point will we will be still doing like cyclical things or is it gonna be something completely different? And I think that's why some of the cast is very different looking, but you've also got people in there who wear, like people are just wearing like a suit. Like they're wearing a jacket and pants and a tie. But then you have people like Lulu who's wearing like this weird rubber thing with these pants and you're just like, what? You know, it's, and it just kind of comes back around.
1: Yeah, so so you're saying that we're going to get into a cycle where every 20 years a leopard print bodysuit with a lot of man cleavage is like just recurring.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm I think Andre 3000 did it like 10 years ago. So I think it's, it's fine. It's, it's, yeah,
1: it's uh, it's it's due for a comeback. Exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I do love, I love the character Ruby Rod and I know there's a lot of like um, sci-fi purists who are just like, Ruby Rod is stupid and ruin the whole movie when he shows up. What? Yeah, I've okay. read lots of there articles are, like that.
1: Bye. There are sci-fi purists who are have it like this is not a movie for a sci-fi purist. This is a movie mm-hmm. for like like so well, well, a lot of cartoons. Poor, poor Ruby Rod ruining this this movie about a taxi driver saving <laughs> the world with stones he pulled out of an opera singer uh, <laughs> shooting a beam of love into a like sentient
2: angry ball of ooze yeah like,
1: <laughs> like, alright, I'm yes. sorry that we're, we're taking you out of the movie. Yeah, It's probably just they, they had strange and uh, uncomfortable feelings when you was on the screen, and, and mm. they didn't know what to deal with it, and so they turned them to anger because that's what men do there with their vulnerability, a which... A
2: person of color in a dress making money. me feel all kinds of things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's
2: a
1: lot scared. No, 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 we're supposed to talk about to toxic masculinity next.
0: Well, <laughs> i but that's the thing like I think the masculinity in this movie is not like I I know like you're saying that the people who didn't get it have toxic masculinity whereas the characters in the movie are not
1: because it suited my little comedy bit there (laughs) I'm sure they're all nuanced individuals with many varying Mm. opinions and I don't want to alienate anybody yeah that's true (laughs) that's true
0: um but you know, I don't, I don't mind getting a little controversial, I must admit. Um, <laughs> but one thing about the movie, I realized that despite the fact that the, the real hero of the film is Leeloo, who's female, the real protagonist of the movie has to be male and everybody around her is male. Fine, whatever. But their um, images of masculinity in the future are so very, uh, like, it's just varied in general that it was really kind of nice to see. Like, you have, like, super macho, you know, uh, Bruce Willis, and then you've got Ruby Raj, who's, like, weird and effeminate and stuff. But no- neither of them are making fun of each other in any way, shape, or form, because you have to be like this to be, like, a man, and you're doing it wrong. And then you have, like, the priest, who's just, like... I'm just a dude trying to stay at the world. Everything's fine. And then you have his apprentice who's just like, I don't want to do anything. Just, I did this because I thought it would be easy. Like, I don't want to go to Egypt. Um, you know, like that kind of thing. And then you just have like this crazy bad guy. And I love it. Like, I just I just love everything about it and how easy the content is. It's not, it's not offensive, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, even just a small thing, like... Um Whatever they are called, the space orcs, uh, the the oh
0: uh, the 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 mongoloids, I think, is that what they're called? Okay, I know the I know the 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 original aliens that are protecting the planet are called mandachewan. I know that. Mm. Why is that the thing I remember? And I can't remember what the other ones are called.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, but uh, but they uh, when they're trying Sorry, to sneak on, they're
0: they're mongoloids. There you go.
1: Mongoloids. That's yeah. one letter away from being highly problematic but that's yeah. okay <laughs> um but the uh uh the fact that when they're trying to sneak onto the the cruise ship they turn into those like uh the couple of like uh um punk rocker types when like one of them is in a thong and like mm-hmm. it's just i don't know it's just they it, it, like the traditional like creatures that they represent in other movies wouldn't have turned into that, you know like, that's true, yeah. Uh, well uh, so maybe. just so
0: you know, that girl uh with the tattoo on her head is an actual model not too tattoo on her head is real. Oh yeah that's cool. Yeah. yeah. No. What's her name? I wrote down her name somewhere. Her name is Eve Salvale. you I, I remembered her also the canadian model stacy mckenzie is the first uh, flight attendant you meet on the plane um so nice he's there as well yeah. and then there's the there's the black guy who's like the guy serving like the wine to ruby rod like the champagne to ruby rod and he's like ugh, ugh, okay. like to that guy that guy's <laughs> also a model and his name is vladimir mccary That's right. I looked all these things up because I'm like, I remember all of these people being models and I was right. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean,
0: yeah, the movie is full of, of
2: striking faces, Mm -hmm. like uh, a movie that's like not afraid to explore weird, fascinating
0: faces that are like a little bit off looking.
3: Yeah.
2: Well,
0: I mean, what do you think about like, tricky for example which was a weird hire in the first movie. you're like why is tricky in this movie this makes no sense but he is just kind of interesting despite he does the fact that he does very little
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah exactly
1: well and it, it further offsets um the uh um like Bruce Willis who's kind of a you know potato face uh, i don't know <laughs> maybe, maybe it was cool about it. <laughs> like, he like when 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 you're when the rest of the movie is populated with like actual models uh amelia jovovich and and uh like you know people with defined you know cheekbones and all this stuff and mm-hmm. you've got this guy who became famous for being an everyman action hero yeah so it's like uh, you know like it, it further separates him from the the rest of the world that's around it. It's just, it's kind of neat because uh, everybody else looks so different. He's just this this guy trying to, you know, make, make sense of the world and his in this crazy world. And like, mm-hmm. making his way through this crazy world. Mm-hmm. Well, it's
0: interesting that you put it that way because if you think about it, all of the main characters fit that description, right? Except for Milo, who is a model. But if you mm-hmm. think about, like, Ian Holm, for example, or you think about... Um, like Gary Oldman or even like Chris Tucker, like they're very it's not not even average looking, but they're very like, you know, like they're people, you know. I, I can aim to to be that way, kind of kind of thing. Whereas like all of the extras, like the chick working at McDonald's with her red make, she was a model, you know? Or like right. all of the flight attendants on the ship, they're all models. And you have like this world of these very pretty people Around you, you know, and yeah. It's, yeah, they all just kind of like stick out. They kind of like we are different because of
1: blah, it. It kind blah. of makes sense if, if yeah. like, if there's these makeup applicators, then like, presumably, there's deeper, like, you know, to get into the deep lore again, there, there's like more, there's probably a lot of really accessible, affordable ways to become beautiful in this world, right? Yeah, like, probably mm-hmm. the, 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 like that uh, facial reconstruction, all sorts of. Like mm, really basic things. stuff that it would mm. just make sense that everybody's beautiful, and then also it m- makes sense from a from the source material, like that, the the um, Valerian comics and the other comics that inspired it. It's like you don't draw if you're drawing people who are ugly; they're 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 recognizably ugly. They're purposely ugly. ugly. They're not, yeah. you know, you don't draw draw slubs. You draw like very striking faces, either because they're beautiful or because they, they're, they're something else. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. And I think it really, that kind of balance really works within, like, the setup of this very back-and-forth, like, super bright or super dark or super bright, super dark world. Because even even something as simple as when they go from above the fog to below the fog, that's a real, like you think about like societal implications that means right where you know certain you have to afford to get sunlight for example you have to afford to not be in the dark and if you're poor and whatever and you're below that fog your life is not going well like you're just in this soup of dark dank depressionness whereas if you're lucky enough to be above that fog you know things are kind of good it seems like you know not perfect at least, kind of good.
1: There's at least McDonald's up there.
0: There's McDonald's up there. And you can get, get Thai food or whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: whatever.
0: Straight
2: to your door. Yeah.
0: hmm <laughs> Straight to your window. What are you talking about? <laughs> sorry. And sorry, we're talking about... Uh, we, we've come back around a little bit of technology, and we talked about some of the really cool stuff that's in there. And I know earlier we brought up the idea of the... Um, why is he looking up things in the phone book? But there's also a couple of other things in the world that you're just like, why do you think this will still be the norm in Way the future? Is. Right? So, like, one of them, for example, was headphones. Oh. Everybody who has headphones in that movie has headphones that you see today everywhere and not like ear pods not like because they all have wires they're all plugged into something they go over your head and circles around your head that's it they're regular headphones you would have thought maybe they would have made them at least wireless but they did not and the other thing that really bothered me was they had pay phones in the future why do they have pay phones yeah this is my question you know <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. Despite like the really innovative stuff in the movie, there's still some stuff in there that you're just like, you should have thought about that a little, just a tiny bit more, just a little. I don't know.
3: Bit
1: more. I, like again, I think it's the it's the yellow taxicab thing, right? Where it's like, <laughs> we, we this isn't a movie that's trying to be like, uh, you know, two thousand one. We're trying to imagine what what humanity really will look like in the future. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like. It's a,
2: this is Luke fesson's sticky teenage notebooks. We don't.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Like, like it, it's the, the any anything that that is cool science needs to serve the 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 vibe of the uh, um of the of the movie, right? Like mm-hmm. we need to have uh um weird uh like space critters that crawl under the uh under under the the ship that takes them to the to the planet
0: they're because, parasites
1: yeah they, they, like we need those not because we think that like space parasites are going to be a thing like that's not a that's not a, a prognostication it's because it's like oh because so, we need to get home to sneak in there so that he can fall of some wires because it'll be funny yeah. like <laughs> you know?
0: That was funny,
2: anyway.
3: Yeah,
0: have, You need to, to give the pilots a reason to go check something so the guy can fall out. What about parasites? Sounds good. What a funny noise.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, but it's so much funnier to know there's this whole team of, like, people, including, like, a space Jamaican who's, like, got, like part of their takeoff is is, is uh, uh, like uh, part of their takeoff procedure is just like using flamethrowers? Why not? You know, like we <laughs> could possibly go wrong, right? Like that, that's why. Like it doesn't make sense. It's like whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> not everything has to be perfect. Also, yeah. I wanted to mention in the priest's apartment there's a menorah, like a very large menorah for some reason. I don't. Mm. I didn't understand why. I, I think
1: it's, it's they're they're in. Tended to be like very loose with any kind of theology, like the only <laughs> tenet we know about this religion is that every five thousand years they have one job
3: <laughs> like, they're like yeah
1: <laughs> like they they gotta kill luke perry <laughs> and, uh and 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 they gotta they gotta like you know ineffectually yell at the president every five thousand seems to be like that i mean i think that
0: seems like a pretty cool job personally i kind of like it
1: i, I guess I, I don't know I, I don't know what the, uh... the president
2: are yelling at the president <laughs>
0: yes yes very much so <laughs> very much so um my last question is it my last question i don't know um is okay so at the end of the movie The screaming ball of darkness and hate is coming towards the Earth, and it's stopped by love. Now, Mm -hmm. is this an indication about how the original moon around the Earth was created, or is it just happens to be moon-like?
1: Are you saying that the the original moon was created 5,000 years ago by the last blast of love?
0: Yeah, or like the last time they had to use that weapon to stop evil from coming to the earth, yeah. they used it and that was also a big ball of evil that they stopped and that's that. why it's there. Um, yeah, and and they, this is just a new one. It may not have been, it could have been maybe 10,000, maybe 5,000 years wait. ago, the last one didn't show up. I don't know, but.
1: Maybe like, maybe one of the ones wiped out the dinosaurs. Who knows? And and we that's do the know one they, that hit the earth. Wiped out the like apparently it would wipe out all life everywhere, not just on the earth. But, yes. uh, um, but the the I don't know, I feel like uh, if it, it doesn't evaporate, uh, um, then it's gonna really mess with the tides, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of like weird effects. But also, um, I'm blanking on it now. I feel like they gave the dimensions of it and it wasn't that big,
2: yeah, um,
1: oh. like, it, like, like big
2: enough to. Certainly, you wouldn't want it making any kind of impact, but mm-hmm.
1: it wasn't moon-sized, I thought, but I, I could be wrong on that, I, and I don't have the transcript of okay. the movie in front of me. But. Maybe right. there's just
2: like a million teeny tiny, tiny moons, and then they don't—they only mess with like one tide in one pond. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. might so. be. I don't know. I was of just course. always curious because I—I I, I brought this up with other friends uh, the many times I've watched this movie. And they're just like, that doesn't make any sense, Tracy. That's stupid. This is just, they've stopped evil and the moon is the moon. I'm like, yeah, but what if the moon isn't the moon? What if the moon was, it happened during a time where we didn't have a record of stuff and oh, there it is.
1: I think it's definitely a question worth asking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. Think so. It's a, it's a, these are the deep questions. We need to, we need to yeah, answer. I think so. Yeah. Because like, it would be a lot easier to convince the next time Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that, like, hey, you see that giant ball of frozen evil up there? Like, <laughs> we've got some, uh, some, some verifiable proof that this shit is coming again. So
0: again, uh, yeah. So you need to be prepared, and you right. know, I think the priest will have like a, more people joining his order instead of so this one guy, David. Yeah. I remember correctly. We just need
1: 24/7 orgy in the uh, uh, love room,
3: <laughs> so that at
1: any point in time we're ready for for just just getting down
0: it's just a a rainbow shield around the world you know (laughs) 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 oh my god yes okay (laughs) (laughs) uh um i don't know do you have anything else about this do you guys have anything else about this
1: so i um i mean it's just fantastic uh it's great uh um one last thing the the um the bullets the replay bullets that gary oldman shows off yeah i don't i don't think they back again like it was just a goofy thing to show that these guns are super like you know tactical mm-hmm. um fun uh i, I just it's, well, it, but that's I,
0: the thing. The replay bullets would have had to have hit Lulu for that to work, and he never right. actually hit her, so... Yeah, it,
1: it seems really like a silly feature for a gun. If you've already shot the thing you were trying to shoot,
3: mm-hmm. then you
1: can, you've already shot it, right? Like, you don't need to... Anyway. Yeah. I'm sure there are tactical well, levels.
0: One thing I'm surprised at is that he didn't use a flamethrower because that one's his favorite and he didn't do it, so... Yeah. That's the thing I don't understand.
1: Yep.
2: sets are expensive.
0: They are. <laughs> but they, they literally have had the biggest indoor set explosion in that movie. So they could have blown something else up. Uh,
1: that's something that I, I thought was just delightfully cartoony, was that when um, uh, his name is Zorg, Gary Oldman, Yeah. disabled. The bomb, like he flies back in and disables it, and then the the alien bomb shows up, and it, it's at the exact same countdown, like yeah. it's at fourteen <laughs> seconds or whatever, whatever arbitrary number. The other uh, one
0: says. I'm, it's a, it says five seconds. It says okay, five we seconds.
1: don't even miss a beat. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love I love it. It's, it was it was perfect comedy for me.
0: Oh, uh, we never mentioned the fact that the bad guy and the good guy never actually meet each other in this movie, even though they mm-hmm. affect each other greatly.
2: Yeah, they're uh, they were on completely different shooting
0: schedules.
3: Yeah. they
0: were. Yeah, I love the, uh, the I love the closest that they get is the the whole elevator thing. He comes up, they're going down, Bing, and <laughs> yeah. that's it. You know, yeah, yeah. that's
1: a that's a tightrope to walk, it especially. Is. If- like to to have them that interactive and and the the plot be so tight and still have the characters not uh.
0: not ever interact yeah it's true yeah cuz when i first realized that i was kind of shocked actually i was just like oh my god it's true they don't ever actually meet that's
3: crazy
0: but yeah i don't know it's it's another reason to love the movie i actually remember specifically the first time i saw this movie i was in the seven and four ten cinema in brampton um and i remember just sitting there watching the movie and just loving every minute of it loved every minute of it yeah so
1: great yeah i feel like i might have caught it on tv the first time i watched it but Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah i'm an old person it's fine i get it
1: (laughs) didn't go to a lot of movies. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I went to so many movies even as a teenager because I did at least one movie a week. It was a Tuesday night or a Saturday night and bought like two comic books. That's how cheap things were back then. Comic books Ooh. and movies. I could do both. It's fine. Man.
1: Yeah, I, I, didn't, I probably didn't start going to movies regularly until uh, uh, like late in high school when I had a job, so... Mm-hmm. I start affording popcorn and stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no. So, see, we didn't go that far. We always snuck candy in. And there was no buying popcorn. That was like twice as much as the ticket to go see the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, still love the movie. Amazing.
1: Oh, it's an amazing yeah. movie. It's yeah. so good. It, it stands up great. Yep.
0: Yeah, it does. I'm so happy that it does, too. Yes. So I guess we're going to move on to Fight Club, which I believe is going to be instantly controversial, which it kind of is based on its content. But um, but yeah, let, let's let's do this. Fight Club. Fight Club. Great. <laughs> I don't even know where to <laughs> start. Um, yeah.
2: One of these movies were
0: fun. Yeah. So I will give you an anecdote for this movie as well. Um, I did not see this movie in the theater even though I was of age to see them theater and everything. Um, But I do remember it was probably around this time of year. I believe it was around Christmas. And I was in Stand the Record Man downtown buying some stuff. And there was display for Fight Club. And I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen this yet. And I bought it and I watched it. Loved it at the time. Like, crazy, crazy loved it. Found it was based on a book. Bought the book. Read the book. Loved it. It's one of the few book-to-film things that are on par with each other. Like, I think both of them are equally good and amazing in the way they tell their story and the way they describe things and the way things come across, where there are definitely like a few minor changes from the book to the film, but it's actually relatively like the same storyline, same beats and, and everything in there. And, um, but it's awesome. Um, but watching it this time, I must admit, I was a little, how can I say, bored? um at times but i am still incredibly fascinated at the way fincher put the story together visually not just from the fact like like one of the reasons why films from books do so badly is because it's very hard for people to interpret parts of it in a real way especially when it's so cerebral like this is because most of this is a lot of it takes place in the narrator's like head and the back and forth and, and all that kind of stuff. And it still fascinates me how Fincher was able to take that from the page and make it so real without losing the like intent or like meaning behind it. So, so yeah, that's what I have to say about it right now. But there was a bunch of gas from Leah just now. So gas, <laughs>
3: yes. yes.
2: I was scandalized that. The, <laughs> look, I can I can understand finding the movie boring if you've seen it nearly as many times as I've seen it. Um, mm-hmm. I can definitely understand that. Uh, but I think I, I have a hard time talking critically about this movie because, as you know, I, I feel really strongly that the things that you love when you're a teenager are the mm-hmm. things that you for the rest of your life because you can't, you don't love anything that same way. And this stupid movie just wormed itself directly under my fingernails and like, <laughs> in my like tiny edgy teenager black heart. And it was just like, no, nope, you love it forever now. And so we'll mm. stop with this forever. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: So, similarly, yeah. I, I watched it uh, when I was a yeah. faux angsty, I mean, I don't know the angst was probably real, but there was no reason for it uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh uh like kid and it just like uh it it connected with me, but like it also is a really fantastic movie that has layers that like every time I watch it, I'm in a different place, and I get something different out of it But mm, yeah, I think it's yeah. it's uh it's it's got a lot to it, and it's really well acted and well directed mm-hmm. Fincher just being like you know being Fincher and, yeah. and it's just like it's a cool story it's about things that i think uh you know are, are kind of universal in terms of the 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 emotions and the and the like lack of of direction and things i don't know it's, it's, Yeah uh,
0: Now let I- me let me clarify something I don't find the movie boring. That is, that's not what I was getting. There yeah. are points in the movie where I found myself bored. It's very different. Um, like right. overall, I don't think the movie's boring. No, I would never say that. Like, there's too much in it, and there's too much to yeah. dissect in it, and, and all <laughs> there for that. But there are definitely points in it now where I'm just like, "Oh my god, really? Okay, yes." <laughs> you know, because like, because. Like, because there's even, like, the scenes where, like, you know, the, the uh, like, Tyler Jordan is in the basement and he's like, "I'm you are not your blah, blah, blah. You are not this. You're not that. You're the all-seeing crap of the world or whatever. And I'm just like, that was not necessary. Can we just, let's keep going. We get it. We get it. Let's go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, like, so there's parts like that where I'm like, now you're just sort of like, you're, you're just full of yourself on those scenes. Like, it's just extra um but yeah no like i, I don't find the movie boring is, is all i wanted to say it's not boring <laughs> there's is a I mean. lot
2: going on in this movie um yeah. can i ask i want to take a detour mike did you watch this movie in a theater
1: i don't think so
3: okay.
2: yeah yeah tracy when you watched this movie you said you were in a theater when when did you do you remember the moment that you put together the twist
0: no, Fight Club I didn't see in the theater. Okay. No. A Fifth Element I saw in the theater. Fight Club I did not. I bought this at the Record Man, and I watched oh, the right. film the first time. Yeah. Uh, all my gasping clearly starved my brain of oxygen.
2: I forgot what you just said. <laughs> it's uh, okay. Do you, like, do both
0: of you remember the twist hitting you?
3: Yeah. Yes. Ah. Yeah.
0: Well, because that's one of the reasons why, like, I think... I loved this movie so much is that the twist was so perfectly well hidden in it the first time you watch it that like at the end you're just like, wait, what? You know? (laughs) And then but even after I've probably watched this movie maybe fifty times or so. And but still every time I watch it and you're looking for the clues, because there are clues throughout the whole movie that indicate this. um, like even from the moment Tyler Durden's created it's in there and yeah. but even despite the clues being in there you know where the twist is coming when you hit the twist you're still like oh yeah that's right okay I knew this okay yeah it's just it's just so well done you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: I
2: I remember when I was growing up that the the crying game was a big deal and I was like a really little kid and I don't think I fully like grasped what the twist like was the severity of the twist and how badly that would mess with grown-ups um and so I was not like and I just also generally when I'm watching a movie or listening to a story like I'm not analyzing it the first time through I'm like trying to keep track of people's names and I'm just totally lost in the story and so um I am like the perfect audience for a big ballsy move like that where somebody else would be like, what's with this movie? This is a weird movie. Something's happening. Like, trying to, There are people who watch movies like this and they want to sort of poke around the edges of it. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, ooh, it's a pretty picture. Because <gasps> I'm <laughs> vulnerable and I don't think about story structure when I'm watching a movie and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, this was... And, and like I was a teenager, I just hadn't seen... like I wasn't really aware of a twist ending as a thing that could happen in a movie because I just didn't have a like, bulk... Movie watching experience. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I, I remember that as the first, like one of the first experiences of being just like full body thrills of delight at a movie. Yeah. Movie. Oh, somebody thought about it. And yeah. Then, like mm-hmm. did a really well crafted thing just to surprise me. I feel so special as a yeah. person
3: watching the movie.
1: Yeah, and then like as a teenager or or whatever, um, like learning that those not just the clues are in there but like the single frames of tyler durden like Mm -hmm. like it it was um um, it was one of the early movies that for me was like oh you can pull it apart and it it will stand up to that kind of scrutiny so again with your like point about like the movies that you love when you're a teenager or like whatever media you love as a teenager will like Get stuck in with with you, or or whatever age it happens to be. Like obviously, yes. I'm using teenager as a shorthand for like that kind of weird emotional soup that we emerge of as humans. Uh, but <laughs> but it's like but, um, but it's like uh, um and and so for me that was one of the ones where it's just like not only does it have this crazy twist in it, but it also has these layers, and it, it's a text that can be pulled apart a little bit more and it's got like uh, these secrets in it uh, and and uh, yeah all sorts of stuff so it was just that experience was also kind of formed for me and so obviously that makes the movie good but also it's just about my experience with the movie that like everybody's gonna have a movie like that and and Fight Club was one of those ones for me. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah I don't I don't even know what to say about it because it's just so, um, I don't even know how to to explain it at this point in time. And it's, it's just like, Fincher understands how to use the medium that he's using to tell his story. And he uses literally all of the tricks in the book from, you know, using film noir lighting to um, camera tricks for like, you know, the single frame stuff that's happening in there. To, you know, strange angles to understand character perspectives on a situation. Because, like, for example, like all the scenes that Marla's in where he's talking to the narrator, but Tyler's off screen telling him not to do something, the camera angle is skewed, which I find really interesting, but I think it's supposed to really show how, like, you know, something's not right here, not just yeah. overall. Um, and then even with, like, like he's very good at utilizing his background because one of the things that I didn't really notice before for some reason was the whole Jared Leto character in there. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there's the day he's like, I want to destroy something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize how many scenes that character was in before you're actually introduced to him. If you know what I mean? Because he is in the fight club crowd in like the back in yep. like 10 scenes before you're, to, you, you're even like, here's a character, like,
1: and this if, is a dude. If you're looking for him, you can spot him quite easily because he's got that shock of like bleach blonde hair. Blonde hair. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's, he's just one of the crowd and then suddenly he gets picked out for this one scene.
0: Yeah. And then it's really funny how the narrator's um, like childish emotion, like, no, no, Tyler Durden's my friend. He can't have <laughs> another friend, so I'm going to destroy this other friend so Tyler Durden only likes me. And you're just like, that's so childish and it's so selfish, but you're just like, yeah, I get it. Because if somebody called my best friend their best friend, I'd be like, you're going down. Like, this is it, you know? But it's mine. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, especially when we know that Tyler Durden has specifically been created in his brain to be his friend, right? Like, it's yeah. not even just that he's another human being who it's, it's like toxic, but there's this impulse to, you know, have them all to myself. But like literally that's the whole reason that this alternate personality exists is so that I can have somebody that's mine and Mm. you're taking away from me. Like how dare that personality I lose control of that personality that I have created because I need, and it's not giving me the things that I need because the things that I need are contradictory to each other. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So my, my question. So Tyler Durden appears as soon as Marla appears in the storyline because you know, um, the narrator isn't sleeping and I keep calling the narrator because he literally doesn't have a name. Um, Sorry. No, Jack. You, can, you want to call him Jack? You
2: know, I'm, I I, have, I, have I am
1: Jack's to, colon.
2: Yeah, I've referred to him variably as the narrator in Jack. Okay. <laughs> but I, I do like the narrator. I think it's appropriate. Yeah, because mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah, within the movie, he's actually listed as the narrator in like, the credits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even in the book, he doesn't have a name. But I'm assuming all the weird stuff in that house is things he was doing in the night when he couldn't sleep anyway. So that's fine. Um. Yep. But, like, why, so, like, I know most of the movie is about understanding or trying to understand or impose what their definition of masculinity or being a man is. But why do you think that Marla is the one who really triggers the, you know, the made-up friend that is Tyler Durden? Like, why do you think she is the, the trigger?
1: I've, I've got some theories on this, but I want to throw it Leah first because I mm-hmm. think that she might have
2: an So I feel like the narrator is fundamentally, we're looking at somebody who is, uh, he says, I'm a 30-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that his uh, connection to his parents is pretty tenuous. He doesn't have a community supporting him. He talks about how he's really... Uh, He feels like he's hollow and he fills this, you know, this space inside him with the Ikea catalog. And uh, Mm -hmm. he's not a fully formed adult who is ready to be in relationship to other adults. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's got this job where he purposely isolates himself. He isn't ready for friendship as we can see, because he's not ready to share another human being or to hear them speak instead of to listen to them instead of waiting for his turn to speak he is not at a point where he feels comfortable enough about who he is and where his boundaries are like in a really fundamental kind of childhood level way mm-hmm. um and you know I'm, I'm talking about this from a lay person's perspective but like clearly he's easily threatened he is like he doesn't know where he can sort of like give and take and be in a healthy relationship with a person where he has to be vulnerable. That's clearly a huge problem for him. And so the threat of Marla who can see him when he's vulnerable and has these, I mean, she's got her own issues, but she has these boundaries she's able to be in a relationship with another person. In the book, she's got this like comic string of ex-boyfriends and so we know that she's tried like dating before and so we get a little bit a little bit more from her where there's, I think, more of the manic pixie dream girl thing that comes in just because there's a lot to get through in this movie and, and we mm. can't explore her backstory quite, quite the same way. But I think that the reason, yeah, the reason that we see Tyler emerge when Marla Emerges is because the even the notion of whether or not he recognizes that he might be attracted to Marla, or just the notion of like, here is somebody who could potentially see me as a human being who I might need to be, uh, like vulnerable and honest with, even enough to have like a passing friendship, Mm -hmm. is so terrifying that he completely goes the other way for control. So, I mean, this is part of why I think about the. The well let's pause here <laughs> i have a lot more to say but but fundamentally so, this, this is what i'm thinking
0: okay so yeah because i was thinking because based on like what you're saying like his lack of emotion his lack of uh his ability to just truthfully connect with other people and when he meets marla you know his subconscious like she's hot but his front brain's just like she's ruining everything now i can't sleep So he's being just an asshole, but he's like, I want her and I want someone for myself, but I can't have it. So then he creates somebody for himself, right?
2: Explore being in a relationship. And I I just mean like, even like I said, like a a passing acquaintanceship, but he can explore being in this friendship with Tyler, the same way that kids have imaginary friends to talk to and Mm -hmm. to explore the idea of talking to somebody else. Like he can, he has more freedom there uh, well, he, <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of freedom because he doesn't know what's happening. But yeah. his brain creates Tyler as like a playground for him to work out what he needs to work out. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think also that there's like the the mixture of his attraction to Marla um, with his inadequacy as a human being. So even, even if like he doesn't recognize that he's in... Emotionally incapable of having a relationship, he probably recognizes that he's emo- He's incapable of attracting a woman uh, in any kind of sexual way. So if he's if he's attracted to her, he's like, I'm going to create like a, an alternate version of myself that's attractive, that's Brad fucking Pitt, who yeah. <laughs> uh, can attract that. And then also simultaneously, like he hates that he is attracted to her because he hates women. And uh, so he like is, needs to externalize that. He can't admit that he is actually in any way attracted to her. Um, and, and so when we see uh, the relationship that Tyler forms with Marla, we see it as, as entirely sexual because he, he literally won't talk to her when they're not having sex, right? Like Tyler. Yeah can't talk to her.
2: Get her out of here.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, 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 <laughs> in, the, in the same, like it's, they even before we know that it's all in his head and he's just swapping personalities, he's saying, he's right. replicating his parents' relationship. He is the go-between yeah. when his father and his mother couldn't talk to each other, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. a, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's my, like whatever, uh, yeah. extra... Wrinkle on on all the stuff that you said about about the creation of the the kind of play mm-hmm. uh, personality that needs to yeah. to explore Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah
0: no I I think I agree with all of that like I like I mean most people when they get older they replicate relationships they knew when they were growing up whether it's functional or dysfunctional because that's what they know as that kind of relationship right um and until he's able to break out of you know his relationship with tyler and realize you know that kind of relationship is wrong or not functional i should say I mean, not wrong but not functional mm-hmm. is he able to admit to her that you know what you met me at a really weird time and we can you know try to be quote unquote normal
3: and you're just yeah.
1: like,
0: okay, as literally the world crumbles around them. So, yeah. Yes. It's, uh... good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I get
2: to literally watch him play house with Tyler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. the He's just barely able to adjust to the idea of another human being who is also him, never mind a woman. Yeah. With, like, so far away from what he can conceive as to be completely alien and monstrous. But we see throughout the movie that the feminized rather than the feminine is like a pretty, it's play for laughs, which is not great, but it is comically accepted and like feminized masculinity, masculinity obviously is, is derided throughout the book. They they talk about men in service positions, which is a whole different economic viewpoint for, for the book, but just talking about his being, um, his learning to navigate the world with other people in it, you can see um, nods to domestic life, the domestic life that he builds with Tyler as like, again, exploring that safe way to to adjust somebody else's bow tie before they go to work and pee in the soup or yeah. like <laughs> he's got a big fuzzy bathrobe with the coffee cups all over it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's something very so uh, comfortable in his sexuality that uh, Tyler Durden is that is so opposite um, that that he like he he's again he's Brad Pitt and he's, he's Tyler Durden so he, there's no there's no vulnerability in him wearing silly sunglasses or the big you know fuzzy bathrobe or uh um any of these other things like he can fill in the sides of his personality because he doesn't feel vulnerable like tyler durden doesn't feel vulnerable the way that the narrator does yes so.
0: mm. yeah because he's he's letting his you know it's it's all his desires of who he wants to be portrayed in this this entity that he doesn't realize is himself like just because you want to be that way doesn't mean you can't be that way you don't have to create something else to be in that situation but I also Mm. always found it super hilariously hypocritical about the movie that or maybe more tongue-in-cheek that they actually hired Brad Pitt in 1999 to be this like uber against you know this feminine or or hollywood standard of beauty because at that point in time he was the hollywood standard of beauty he was the one you know in his underwear and shirtless on like the cover of a magazine he was the one who was like the sexiest man alive like he encapsulates everything like brad Pitt encapsulates everything that tyler durden is quote unquote against Mm. but You know, but because of the narrator's mind, like if Brad Pitt was a real person in his society, I think his imaginary friend would be Brad Pitt because it's opposite to what he is in general, right? So it's both kind of like tongue in cheek and hypocritical at the same time, if you understand what I mean.
2: Yeah, for sure. He's internalized those standards so much that his hyper-masculine, what he's, you know what he sees as this like, uh, not hyper, well, okay. He's internalized these standards so much that he is not thinking about the team of makeup artists and costume designers that are making Brad Pitt into Tyler Durden. He is imagining Mm -hmm. Tyler Durden as an effortless performance of the masculinity that he aspires to. And it's the performance that gets derided I think in like on both, on both ends. Cause we see that Marla Singer is not great at performing femininity, right? Mm-hmm. Her makeup is weird, her hair is weird. She's kind of stomps around. Like she's, you know, she's incredibly attractive but kind of off-putting. Like she's not, um, she, she's not like small or gracious enough. Like she's kind of awkward. Yeah,
1: and yeah. even just from a practical point, like we were yeah. just talking with Fifth Element about the like um, the makeup applicator yeah. where like the, all of the, like the, the, to, to be put together, to look a certain way. It, I mean, it, this isn't always the case, but the the kind of impression is that it's uh, that you give out into the world when you are put together like that, is that you have all of these other things uh, sorted out in your life. I've right? got that sofa problem handled. You've got your sofa <laughs> problem handled. So, so the idea that, um like marla singer is a little bit you you see somebody who doesn't have all that stuff together and mm-hmm. she is struggling to just get up and out of the bed every day and like you know putting yourself together in in ways that that aren't that that indicate that not everything is great at home which i think is totally reasonable <laughs> to <Yeah>. assume based <laughs> on what Um whereas uh tyler durden doesn't have that right like he can live in that crazy place with the brown water and somehow pass in really high like society, like he can, sh- he can show up to a, to a- um,
3: Department
1: uh, store? Well, not just the department store, but, but even uh, do the catering jobs oh, yes. where like you, you can't show up rumpled to some of those kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so the, the capability of being able to do that without putting in the work of maintaining a home and maintaining a like a life that's that's that all of those things that allow you to have a keep a white suit pressed in your home and <laughs> yeah. be able to look on it when you need to is that, like-
2: that's a really good point i've I watched this movie a lot and i've never thought about
1: well, and, and there could be all sorts of, uh, you know, ways around that. I mean, people, tons of people do that in real life all the time. But like he wants to imagine a world where you don't have to do things like sweep or vacuum or call a plumber or, or do all, all the life maintenance things that allow you to present as capable in the world. He just wants somebody to be able to walk in and do that and Tyler Durden can do.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing is with that character too is the fact that his want to be like this uber masculine brawny man type figure uh, leads him to believe that you don't need to do all of that stuff to be that figure. Like Like, no, there's no reason for me to have to sweep. There's no reason for me to have to do dishes. There's no reason for me to know what a duvet is. Like... Like, there's nothing wrong with, I don't think it's unmasculine to know what a duvet is, but yeah. but like for him, he considers that to be not even, I don't even think he considers it to be feminine or anything. I think he just thinks it's not masculine to do all of this extra stuff, like to do all the things you don't want to do. Is yeah. is unmasculine, and for you to be a man, you should be able to do what you want to do. And for you to feel anything, you need to get the shit kicked out of you. And that that's why he starts a Fight Club because I think, you know, pain is the thing that triggered actual emotions in him. And you know, like you have a lot of like those those other movies who are just like, oh, I you know, pain is the only time I feel alive. And I, I really think that's what's happening with his character in this, where you know he starts to Fight Club because I want to feel something pain is a way to feel something that's definitive whereas like you're saying with like marla and his interaction with like tyler and all that kind of stuff he doesn't know how to quantify or define what he's feeling with them but pain i'm like no that's pain i hurt myself i can define mm-hmm. what this this emotion is yeah or this
1: yeah and it, and it leaves lasting marks it, it it starts reshaping himself and his interactions with the rest of the world mm-hmm. like when we see him in the office and he's all beat up and you know he's got the blood in the meeting and the uh, yeah and, but but uh also i I, uh, I want like i think you make a really really good point there where um there there's kind of two whatever axes that we can look of is where, where it's like uh his opinions on gender and and like masculinity versus femininity but there's also just the masculinity versus like nullification like there's two two ways right like it's it's not a lot of the masculinity isn't necessarily i think uh directly opposed by femininity it's literally just about um either either um whatever whatever you want it to be it could be consumerism versus so that's the duvet thing right you're not mm-hmm. you're not a man you're a consumer uh, but also it's it's it, uh agency versus servitude um all of those things are are like wrapped up in that masculinity that's not necessarily opposed to
0: to so femininity uh, yeah yeah well and yeah. i think that's one of the reasons why i think I've always been scared of this movie getting older and stuff because of its uber focus on the concept of masculinity, right? Yeah. But the thing that makes the evolution of the film not so bad is because it doesn't have that opposition of femininity. It's like, no, 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 I'm not sweeping because a woman is supposed to sweep. They're like, I'm not sweeping because I'm a man. Those are those are actually very yeah. two very different. Things right yeah.
2: We're both sold on a on a uh, fable that we need to sweep. Like no, you idiots! Like yeah. <laughs> as I get older and more entrenched in my creature comforts, it is funnier and funnier that he's like, we all have to hit bottom, and then like I am increasingly the narrator, just like turning on the tap and like,
0: oh gross! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, no, it's so true. What is? Oh, when he's brushing his teeth and he puts the thing under, like his toothbrush under the brown water, I was just like, "Oh, that's disgusting! What are you doing?" <laughs> like, you know. It's okay.
1: He just pulls his teeth out anyway. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, and he just throws it away. And it's true. It's like, it's like I don't have an issue. Like I'm a very adaptable person that I don't mind, like having to quote unquote rough it, but that's not roughing it. That's just living in squalor. Like there's a difference. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: explicitly a choice right like the whole he specifically says i could be like talking with my insurance company i could be living somewhere nice Mm i'm choosing to live here because listening to tyler durden fuck is the only way i can get it up i don't think
2: he finishes that thought in the movie but it's loud
1: yeah (laughs)
3: yeah
1: it's so true we know that he. Yeah, exactly. Yes, uh, but uh, it it would be difficult for the two of them to to to, to have different living or sleeping arrangements. We, we exactly. learn later in the film, yeah. <laughs> given their unique position yeah. between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, like um, the the thing about the about the masculinity is also, I think, really um weirdly prescient because. All of all of the things we're learning about the radicalization online, which wasn't a thing yeah. back in the '90s, is like it's this is how it happens, right? Is that mm. it's 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 weird people yelling semi-coherent, uh, um, you know, theologies, but give or, or uh, philosophies or whatever it is, um, and and then and then like men who feel like their role isn't masculine enough or whatever, and then trying to find a place for that in the world. And then mm. them coming across these crazies and then just like supplicating themselves to it. I mean, that, that's, that's ultimately, I think what what's really interesting about the, uh, um, the masculinity as presented in the film, you said, that uh tracy you said that like masculinity is the ability to do what you want and not have to do the things that you don't want but uh every member of project mayhem is given explicit instructions and is not free to make their own choices like that Hmm. like the the the, the, that that idealism that they buy into is immediately subverted in the movie and Hmm. so it's like showing how it's 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 toxic from the from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's freaky that the more and more we see it, like this is actually how people get radicalized, and it's it's, it's
2: true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although interesting that the uh again with this movie and all the heat that it drew at the time totally failed to uh predict. How big a role the hatred of women was going to play in that radicalization, yeah mm. um and I think you know part of it uh is that the like Chuck Polinnick is gay, so <laughs> we, should, mm. we should like recontextualize a little bit where like you know that I don't think was part of the the public discourse around this movie at the time, but you know the, the it's already so dangerous for. Like the the inner, again, all of the men in the, the movie have this need to both emancipate themselves from what they feel is like an unjust, you know, uh, like enslavement by commercial culture or whatever, but then also just to like follow the first guy with a missing tooth and a black guy.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's so funny about that is that like the whole movie is is not following this consumer culture, but they do turn into a cult. So you're following the rule of this other person who's still telling you what to do and you're blindly following it, like you mentioned, Mike. And it's just so kind of like you're... Able-
1: doing- with homework.
0: Yeah, you know? And I just think it's it's really, like, so funny. But also, to your point, Leah, where, you know, we didn't understand the hatred of women would lead so much into, like like this kind of thing where when when people who are radicalized or people who are like oh no i'm a man's man and you know chicks are you know pussies and bitches and all that kind of nonsense um, mm. like and they they quote movies like fight club and they 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 point fingers at stuff like this and whether or not chuck palano is it doesn't matter when they're they're talking about it they're, they're talking about like the content of the film and the, the character they're perceiving but mm. if they should be quoting it because there is no actual hatred of women in this, and there's no hatred towards a specific a specific person or or like yeah. ideal. Oh. It's it's more about like not buying into things, but they yeah. end up buying into something, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. and but that's the thing that confuses me the most about a lot of those people that are are these like weird radical people because there's like a like there's this whole movement with like the trump campaign people who follow trump and stuff and they're just like homelander from the boys it's like you know that's what america is and you're like but that's the bad guy you know so Yeah, yeah what you're saying is not actually helping your cause you're making it worse and i think the ideal um idolization of tyler durden in this movie is means that people aren't actually getting the point of the movie it's like he's not a person to idolize. He doesn't exist, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. So. Well, and,
1: and and like to to be perfectly honest, like when I first watched it, oh, yeah. I, I was exactly that. I was like, oh yeah, consumer culture is bad. Tyler Durden, great. Yeah. Like, yeah. But but that's also like that's part of the part part of the appeal is is knowing that it is so seductive that you mm. you turn off the parts the more critical parts of your brain to, to think about that. Uh, and, and, uh, because it sounds right. Cause it feels right. It makes you feel better about the things that you don't like about yourself. It, yeah. mm-hmm. it gives you, gives you a way to externalize it. Even if you're not creating your own Tyler Durden, you're creating a version of yourself that's not, that doesn't, you know, uh, feel so weak or, um, uh, incapable or just, like put upon i don't know mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. well the first thing you've got to do is withstand your three days of criticism yeah right first thing yeah. the cult does is it helped us break you down that way yep um yeah i did think it yeah it was really interesting to to come back to this movie it's been a few years since my last rewatch and i was a little bit again apprehensive me too yeah as i continue to try to grow and learn i get you know i worry that i'm gonna have to leave this movie behind so far so good there's still stuff in there I can love
3: yeah um,
2: but yeah it is again as I as I get older also I like I am more and more the narrator I'm just like he is a human being and you're not going to bury him in the garden the yeah day. and that that mm-hmm. scene especially is so much faster than I remembered it being the tip yeah. over from meatloaf hitting the table like that which is he's only been in a couple of movies and he's dead on the table in two of them <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, but he's, and the, the, the way that the guys crowd around and just immediately get everything wrong, interpret everything wrong. I understand in death, a project, a member of project name, Mayhem has a name. And then they start chanting his name as Robert Paulson. Like they're such idiots. Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot more for laughs than I remember as a teenage edgelord seeing this movie the first time and just being like, Oh, they're really building a revolution. Like, no, they're just a bunch of <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: it's really, yeah.
1: um, the space it, monkey yes. thing gets takes on different meaning every time I watch it. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just yeah. flinging poop. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No, and it's and it's so, so true because, yeah, like, like Leah was saying, I was apprehensive to watch this because. I know the content of the film, right? And I'm just like, oh god, this is going to has going to age so bad after like Me Too and and all the stuff that's been yeah. going on and but then you watch it and then this is when I realize I'm like, no, it's not about masculinity versus femininity, it's about just masculinity itself. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't go against anything and and so it's making the aging process of the film much more interesting, but the ideas of masculinity in this is you know to be to be a man you have to be beat up like i don't i don't think that's necessary like i don't think to be a man you have to have pain whether mental or physical or you don't have to have bruises or scars or you know just like destroy yourself to be a man but hmm. also you have to live up to some sort of ideal or some sort of idea of what you want to be what your understanding of who you are is and like like i think of course with a movie like this it went to an extreme to get to that point but i think uh i think people in real life slightly know better because i, I remember no. this movie well no this movie came, what, this
3: movie, <laughs> uh, right
0: but I think like this movie came out and there was a whole there was an incident of people trying to start real fight clubs around the world. Yep. Which which failed because I think most people realize I don't want to get the shit kicked out of me like twice a week. I don't yep. want to be in it's chronic pain the all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And they're like, yeah, sure. Maybe I won't buy from IKEA, or maybe I'll. I I don't care what that guy looks like in that poster, but I got, you know, I'm my jaw's broken and I have three missing toes now. So maybe I might quit the Fight Club.
1: You know, (laughs) start uh, start a toe finding club. (laughs) Yeah, just look around. Yeah, check your immediate areas. Does anybody
0: have a phone that we can? yeah. Yeah. Flashlight. Just yeah. if you find one, just put it in a cup of ice. We'll we'll just take yeah. it. We're good. We're good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Somehow I, we ended up with four toes. Make I was That's great.
2: Everybody, check your toes.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so I, I did want to just explore one thing about this is because, um, like you said, the, the I, I totally agree. I don't think it's masculinity versus femininity. I think it's masculinity versus what they what the movie might perceive as like a forced feminization or servitude um, Mm -hmm. as part of engaging with commercial culture. Uh, Part of being a man is as we see in the the car scene with project mayhem, when he says, what's the one thing that you wish that you'd done before you die? And their answers are like very honest, build a house, paint a self portrait, paint a self portrait is not a traditionally hyper, Masculine,
0: yeah, really ideal, funny. yeah.
2: But yeah, right. It's not like break a dozen noses or mm-hmm. like break my own a dozen times, which I don't recommend. <laughs> but no, pain a self-portrait is a is an artistic pursuit. It's a it can be a gentle thing, even
3: mm-hmm.
2: a creative self-exploratory thing. It's not about building like it's not about tearing yourself down, it's about finding who you are, um, you know, and granting people the, the space to explore. Building a house is a really creative, productive, protective thing that mm. you know, you're providing shelter. You're creating something with your hands. I, I think part of what's interesting about this movie is that it takes place in a big city. And you wonder how many of these men might have found what they needed by... Moving out into the country and like maybe doing some woodworking or joining a softball league, like what yeah. they're missing in the community, and what they're finding is the freedom to express themselves with each other, yeah. and also frankly a little bit of fresh air and activity. <laughs> like I said, okay. I'm now in a,
0: I'm or maybe like, it's it's literally just doing something they actually look, like to do or want to do, right? Um, I think one of the biggest problems with uh, the the narrator in the film is that the way his life is structured is that he's home for short periods of time. He doesn't sleep and then he travels everywhere and he's he's literally lost. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have time to do anything that actually gives him joy or pleasure. And so, and I think he got into this like monotonous state where you know, nothing around him is affecting him in any way. He's just doing what he does, and, and he's
2: creating his nest. It's
0: not bringing him any
3: joy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And honestly, if they started like a Bob Ross painting club, probably would have yeah. had the same effect as the Fight Club. Or be like, "Oh my god, I I found something I love," and then they get on with their day. You know, like it would have been fine. Yeah. I would watch the living hell out of that movie. yeah <laughs> oh,
3: my god! Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: do, do... <laughs> The first rule about Bob Ross Club is.
0: <laughs>
1: Everybody <laughs> needs a <laughs> little
0: friend.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: The first rule is there's no such thing as a mistake. Only happy accidents.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so. but yeah, I mean, uh, it, that's one way to think about why he needs to go to these um, uh, uh, self-help places. Is they're literally the only places where he can have that kind of Community, even though he is incapable of actually relating to those people because he has to give a fake name every time, so mm-hmm. he, to make sure that no one can actually form a connection with him. Yes. uh So it's like, yeah, yeah. It's it's the the lack of community, the 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 alienation, but also the movement to this like uh, um, the service industry, mm-hmm. right? Where a lot more. Um, you know before the world kind of economic collapse or whatever but like there the, was a lot more um, jobs where you would make things or you would be producing things or you you, you know uh, as as the economy moves more and more to a service economy then it's like more and more about doing these jobs that don't feel masculine anymore right your your d's, your um push your your uh asking about the color of icons on, you know, new software. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing those kinds of things. You're not, yeah. uh, you, you know, building things with your hands. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's that adjustment that I think we, like, I still don't think our society is great at handling what that's supposed to look like. Like we're we're learning about it in fits and starts. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe as like old people, Adjust to like new people in the w- in the way that uh, you know gender is changing and things like that 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 will help, but like we're still not we still have a great position to put men who feel alienated by these changes in our society because mm-hmm. we have such a narrow view of what that's supposed to look like.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But I also think, too, it's not just the idea of femininity or masculinity or gender in general that alienates people. I think it's the advancement or change in anything, like technology or or like your city around you like you know you lived in a small town but now the city's encroaching on your town and how to you know navigate new people or new spaces or you know you have to get a new car or you know you can't do the thing you used to do or or anything and there are always going to be people who are like stuck i want to say where they're like "No, no no this is how it's always been done this is how it's continued to be done and you they they are not going to want to evolve or change because evolving or changing is yeah. too hard sure. or too much effort, right? Funny,
2: yeah, like right now people are saying, "Well, what if uh, Joe Biden wipes out student debt? I paid my student debt, so that's not fair."
3: Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, it's just be talking about wiping out debt, which is what they do in the movie. It's like, mm. how would I how would I adjust to that? Like, we're starting to look at change in society that might go towards Fight Club, and people are still like. I have no mechanism to adjust for this. I have no way to like,
3: yeah.
2: take on, use th- Like either way, whatever way the movement goes, it's, there are people who are not being taken into account.
1: I'll say really quick that, yeah, yeah I, I don't think that it, it's, it, um, the reason I was focusing largely on, on masculine uh, alienation is, is uh, mostly because the movie, I think yeah. is more of like mm. this yeah. that, 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 that this alienation can't have anybody um, I
2: feel like there's the, a great movie about Marla Singer that has not yet been made. Right.
3: <laughs> I just to yeah. Add, add yeah, to yeah. It. I just feel like her
2: her journey is probably also very interesting and worthwhile. But this isn't this is a movie about men specifically. Like there has to be a space to tell that story.
3: Yeah. Mm. yeah.
0: Well, I will admit there there has been a comic book series called Fight Club 2, which is a continuation of the story.
1: I read that that existed and did not care for what the summary that I looked up. I, apparently, <laughs> Kalanick is involved, which is yeah. at least something, but...
0: I mean, I think I have like six or seven issues and I've read three of them because yeah. I was kind of just like, ugh, you know. But it it really has a lot to do with um like what we were talking about in like fifth element and in this movie where you know they've had this hairy experience so now they're quote unquote in love and but they don't know each other at all right and the series continues with you find out that they got married at some point they lived in they live in the house the paper street house but they've made it like they've upgraded it you know did renovations and right. all kinds of stuff
1: made it so that human beings could live there
0: exactly exactly <laughs> Um, They've had a child together, but their life has become so boring and so full of, you know, all of the issues that they had before they got together. So, like, you know, the narrator is just like, I'm back to picking things out of a catalog. I'm back to everyday life going to work and from work. Like, nothing interesting is happening. Marla's bored. And so, of course, Tyler manifests again, right? Right. Uh, that's as far as I got. It's in my weird. mind right now. This is a real thing? This is a real thing, yes.
2: Okay, please continue. Um, <laughs>
0: um,
2: I
1: said, you said you had six issues, but you've only read three of them. Is that Was that on purpose? Or um, at first better?
0: it was not on purpose, but then after I read the third book, I was just like, yeah, I'm good.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it just, it just wasn't really doing anything new. Um, mm. Maybe I hadn't read far enough. I don't know but it was really just kind of rehashing what was going on in fight club, except Marla knew, you know, about the narrator's split personalities. That's it. Huh. Um, and he's like on drugs to suppress Tyler and all this kind of nonsense. Well, cause I mean, if you, if you read the book, you'll know at the end of the book, he's in an institution. Um, at the end yep. of the book, which they leave out in this and this, this book series goes from the book version, not the movie version. So you know he's been institutionalized and all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. I, I have to say another choice that really, really um, improves the movie. Cause I did not, that ending is perfect for the book. The movie it is. Ending.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. I think if they included that in the movie, you'd have been Ed. like, oh, this is stupid. But in the book, like, you read it, and he's, he's, like, I think he wakes up, and he's, like, he thinks he's in front of God, because everybody around him is in white, and the sun is streaming through, and then he realizes, oh, no, he's in a therapist or like office, and the angels are orderlies dragging him through the hallway, and, and whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, but if you want to borrow those, I'll lend them to you, the ones that I have, at least. It's
2: super due. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I'm, I am car wreck enthralled i can't look away
1: i think there might be a three as well i saw do we think the kid has a, okay. a three? Oh
2: yeah i know there's
0: something up with the kid too in the books but i, oh. I didn't i didn't read that far into it like i said <laughs> um but i i wasn't I sure
1: if, again or whatever it's called the frank miller's return to that particular thing i don't need mm. fight club i don't anyway I need it. Yeah. I need it in my perfect little
0: bubble. I, there,
1: I, I got my <laughs> Fight Club problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Like,
0: like, no matter how good some stories are, people are just like, "Oh, I need to know more." And I'm like, honestly, I don't. People are like, "Oh, we need a Ferris Bueller too." I'm like, we do not. Or we need. Um, Even like the Bill and Ted thing, like they made a third movie like 25 years later, and you're like, it was, I haven't even watched it, but also I don't want to watch it whether it's good or bad because I'm like, it's so unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it was good the way it was and how it was put together. Just leave it
3: alone.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It, it depends and it depends on like it, story by story and it depends on what you wanted to do with that story. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, uh, um, I mean, Fury Road is always a wonderful <laughs> example of that. You don't <laughs> like that, but, uh, uh-huh. but it, it, like just turning to stories where, where you're doing something new with it or, yeah. or you know, mm-hmm. something, but it, it, that doesn't sound like what's happening with Fight like, Club 2. Yeah.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the biggest problem is a lot of the people who do sequels to stuff are just like, they're like, oh, the first one made money. We should make another one. But there's no point to the second movie. It doesn't matter. Just do the same thing again. You're like, that's a waste of time. It's not so... So I I always refer
2: to this as Ripley syndrome because um, Patricia Highsmith wrote like five uh, Mr. Ripley novels. And Mm. you can see her just really, uh, you know, I think this is a... that happened to Thomas Harris as well with Hannibal Lecter and just she really becomes enamored of Mr. Ripley and how talented he is Mm -hmm. and you know wants to tell more stories about him but as the novels go on um, the stakes get lower and lower and it becomes clear that she just kind of really wants to tell like the last novel really struck me because the the stakes are very low and the plot kind of resolves itself in a sort of burn after reading self enclosed catastrophe kind of way. Uh, Um, And, you know, I think there's, there should be merit as well because there are some stories that I want to walk into and stand in for a week and just like, yes, tell me every dumb detail. I want to read hundreds of thousands of words about like, I'm pretty sure that I would, if told correctly, I would read like 12 comic books of just like the narrator and Marla trying to decorate a house. These two (laughs) fall trying to take care of another human being. Like that's probably hysterical and there's probably a lot to be said there. So I do want to like, I always want to leave space for that, but I don't think that it needs to be, um, it needs to be taken as part of the canon. Right? Like I don't mm-hmm. think the author necessarily has as much say as they might like over what is part of their canon.
0: Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Anyway,
2: but I, I yeah. certainly, it sounds like maybe there is Ripley syndrome creeping mm-hmm. into these Fight Club comic books.
0: Well, I think so. And I also think because this came, I think the first issue of this came out in 2017 or 2018. Um, and I think the book Fight Club came out in like 1995 or something. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's definitely, like, a 20-year hiatus from these characters, and then you're just being, like, pulled back into this world to, like, write this thing. And maybe it has more to do with, like, Paul and Nick was just like, I have this idea, let's make another movie. And they're just like, hey, how about a comic book? And he said, okay. Yeah, exactly. What if we do Yeah, or maybe it was just, like, somebody had an idea to make a comic book with a character, and so they went to him, and he's like, I want to be part of it. I don't. Either I, either way, I just like. Hey, you know what? I
1: need a beach house. Um, <laughs> you know, like.
0: <laughs> but he's put out so many like um, like bestseller books, though. Like I've read most of his books. Um, a, yeah. Two of two of them I haven't read because I literally just can't physically get through the books. Um, but I I do kind of enjoy how gross his books are at times i know this sounds weird but he has this oh, amazing... sorry no nope, continue <laughs> no he has this crazy ability to use very little words to describe a very very specific and vivid scene and yeah. you are standing in the middle of something and you're just like oh my god, I swear I can smell this room. Because I'm specifically referring to the book Smut, which I was disgusted at reading, but I could not put it down. And there are a couple of descriptions of a, a, if you've read it, you'll know the spaces I'm speaking of. But he describes a space in like a sentence, like six words. And you're just like, oh my god, I can smell it. Oh my god, everything's dirty. Oh my god, I don't want to touch anything. And it's just, it just blows your mind. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah I think the, the movie does a really good job of that as well. It's uh, both with the narration uh, where they have changed it or where they have highlighted um, images from mm-hmm. the book and also just pairing them with like again both of these movies, the production design is uh, so well realized and detailed yeah. and lived in like yeah. that whole house. Oh every yeah. surface in that house is wet. It's and disgusting. It's got rhyme and yeah. you just know, like, if you opened a you know, one, having lived in a house uncomfortably similar, I know there are no working drawers in the kitchen, <laughs> but if there was one and you opened it, there would just be grime in the bottom of every drawer. Yep. In, oh in, my God. Like, yeah. Every time you open a door, a paint flake falls down. Like, you can feel it. And I think that, yeah, the the movie is so singular because it brought, like, every movie is... Uh, Mike and I were talking about this is it's always kind of a miracle when a movie gets made all the way made and a human sees it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But this movie like just struck absolute gold in terms of the team that it put together. Yes. So both of
0: these films did, yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah. The lighting, the music, the set design, the props, like everything is so detailed Mm -hmm. that it does the same. It does the same job of conveying a deep, rich, striking often really gross image Mm -hmm. yeah
0: i do i do have one comment to make. that's a little bit of a tangent that actually has nothing to do with the movie but the fact that a tv show has ruined that house for me um because i get very silly thoughts about it when i see it um so (laughs) in venture brothers uh in the last season um uh the monarch um and uh what is it number 20 21 uh, they end up in this house and it is actually a replica of this house on paper street
3: <gasps> and no, it-
0: but the thing is in the basement of it is you know there's a there's a candelabra in one corner and they pull it down and there's a superhero the blue morpho whose cave is in the basement of it so every time they go around a corner i'm like oh it's gonna be the cave with the blue morpho that's what i keep thinking <laughs> of it's stupid but the difference is with with uh, the Venture Brothers, he has a wife, so they're actually renovating the house, so they're cleaning it up and stuff. That's how they find the cave. But yeah, every time I, I like they showed the outside of the house, I'm like, ooh, the blue morpho. That's all I kept popping into my head.
1: That's great.
0: No, I'm okay. It's full of just bunk beds and bathtubs full of dynamite. Yep, exactly. So great. That's what you're
2: that's supposed to have the, in the basement.
1: The drainage issue. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> it's also it's like knee deep water.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's true. Like, how did those bunk beds work like, in the basement there if it ever rained while they were sleeping? Presumably it, it stopped flooding
2: at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would
1: uh, be fixable.
0: Fingers yeah. crossed. Also, I yelled. <laughs> Um also I yelled, oh my god, Star 69 when the, the phone the other phone went ah, back. I was yes like, there's something this generation will never hear of ever again. They're like, what do you yeah. mean Star 69? What? Also he's using a payphone, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it was very in the zeitgeist for up to three minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh and also I don't think Tyler Durden's job exists anymore because everything's digital, right?
1: Which job? uh,
0: Yeah, but the the splicing together a film, the reels. Uh, Yeah, no, up until surprisingly recently,
2: but I I would expect that most, I don't know enough about projections, but most theaters
3: are digital. Probably,
1: like, uh, I know the last one for sure, because I also didn't know it was a job until uh, The Underground, which was... Ten years ago now, uh, when the, the underground cinema was open, when I watched a film put on by somebody who didn't know what they were doing ah. in the projectionist booth, I was like, "Oh, it's only a job you notice if somebody messes it up." So, yeah, it, it, That's it, the it whole just point. stop yeah. it for ten minutes and have a have a um, uh, an intermission so that they can get the reels restored. <laughs> apparently, one of them had been threaded the wrong way, or something rewound like backwards or something anyway
3: yeah
1: <laughs> it, uh, uh, to, anyway that's uh, that's the last time i know for sure there was a human being pulling levers back there
0: cool cool yeah um that was a pretty in-depth discussion about fight club there oh yeah, I wanted,
3: well, sorry
0: uh-huh. I, I i put a question in here because i wanted to make sure i asked it to okay. bo- well to both of you have you ever been in, like, a physical fight?
1: Um, do you want to go first?
0: I
2: don't think I have. I have been in a mosh pit, which I feel like, again, mm-hmm. some of these gentlemen might have found some release in, like, a rural softball league or building their own actual shed in their backyard. And yeah. some of them probably just maybe needed to go to some shows, some punk shows, and get some aggression out. That's true, yeah. Um, so, no, that's probably the closest I've ever been.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, for me, the closest was um, uh, I got uh, mugged once. Uh, no! Where it was very foolishly... Um, I was house-sitting, and the Wi-Fi wasn't working, and we were trying to, uh, um, like, send these emails to arrange for the... the um, Uh, Anyway, there's all of these details, but uh, we we were trying. We had a very narrow uh, time frame where we were supposed to arrange uh, housemates because we were going to be moving in like in two weeks to a new place and we needed to get everything locked down. So, uh, um, I had been drinking and walked uh, my girlfriend at the time to the subway, and on my way back, I was like, hey, I probably think I could get some wifi here uh, in the like park of a school at midnight. So I bust out my laptop, start sending emails, and, uh, and then uh, some guy came up to me, asked me what time it was, uh, and then clocked me and grabbed my laptop.
0: Oh no, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, okay,
1: that's um, absolutely
3: and- nuts. <laughs> Oh. so then,
1: uh, the, anyway that's yeah. the closest I've been that story. <laughs> it worked out okay it was a dumb story it was a dumb th- it, there was a long sequence of dumb decisions that led to it <laughs> <laughs> each dumber than the last
0: oh um, no yeah. but still being mugged sucks it's not it, was, it wasn't my
1: favorite thing uh, mm. I was pretty oriented, but uh,
0: yeah. yeah got it yeah I, don't know. I also have technical. I don't think I've ever actually been in like a fist fight or anything, but I've definitely been in situations where there's a lot of shoving involved. Like you want to go, you mm-hmm. want to go, shove, 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 and then I got kicked out of school once for it, but it was fine. Uh, that's a that's a very different story.
1: Little kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I swear Bye. I wasn't beating up little children. uh yeah but i i don't know yeah i don't know like um yeah because there's that whole scene in the the movie where it's it's all about like you know you know want you to get in a fight and i want you to lose and most people don't want to get into a fight and i'm like who wants what i don't know i don't understand the appeal of fighting like even like watching like quote-unquote, sports, like boxing. Yeah, I've offended some people there with saying that, quote-unquote. Um, like, I just don't, I don't understand the joy yeah, of getting hit in the first, face.
3: Uh, uh, um, MMA?
1: MMA, like pure MMA. Like,
0: I get there's a skill to it, but, like, and if you use it for defense, sure, but to actively go somewhere to just get the shit you to beat either beat the shit out of someone or to get the shit beat out of you. None of that sounds like a good idea, a good time for me. Like a bunch of people do it as a hobby. If like,
2: you know, being at a bar is anything
3: to go by.
2: <laughs> it seems like people are really into it, but yeah. I did find it interesting that the, the homework assignment is a loss of control. So mm-hmm. Allowing somebody else to dominate you, however, briefly. And after Tyler Durden loses that fight, well fight, loses that fight to Lou, he is treated with extra deference, like people sit him down, they light a cigarette, like that's like people are waiting on his next every word, he becomes more of, uh, I don't want to say alpha, he's more of a leader, he's more respected because he has allowed that loss of control and he doesn't feel the need to, yeah, to be a dominating controlling man
3: yeah but he so
2: I, but doesn't he yeah, quickly take that control back though
3: absolutely
2: yeah he does but first he i mean he's still bleeding and he does that hilarious this movie's still full of great slapstick that hilarious <laughs> <Yeah. movie. laughs> he picks up the one leg and crosses it over the other
1: yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he can't hands. move mm. his legs yeah. to pick it up it's great yeah
2: yeah, that, yeah. and the shot of him falling off a bike i mean this movie is part cartoon <laughs> <laughs> truly it's yeah, so I, true what,
1: you're under her hat or yeah, whatever
0: yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there there's definitely great things in this movie still, and definitely think that people should give it a watch. You know, or re-watch. It's a or good re-watch. time. Yeah. yeah. Any any last thoughts on? Um... Oh wait, no, I do have one last thing. I was looking for a connection between Fifth Element and Fight Club, and I found it. As in the priest's name is Cornelius in Fifth Element and the narrator's first fake name is Cornelius in Fifth Element.
1: That's great. There you go. (laughs) That leads to one other question. Who is in Star Trek in either of these movies?
0: Oh my God, that's a good question. I did not look that up. Oh my God.
1: Um,
0: as, right now. I hate you so much right now. Uh, <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> you, yeah. Um, Hold on, hold on. Okay. Is it... Is it um, uh, hold on. Uh, no, I was wrong. I thought it was Lee Evans for a second. No, he was in Doctor Who.
1: Little known fact: Brad Pitt played Boson Jenkins in the... Pilot of TNG.
0: I feel like that's not true. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Oh my god! <laughs> don't tell me these things. Now I got to do research to find out. And is this true? Is this fake? What's happening? Just, probably not true. I'm,
1: I'm not pretty sure Bolson true. is not a uh, rank in oh. Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god Did not about space pirates i've never seen i don't watch a lot of star trek <laughs> i watch way too much star trek that's, that's my biggest theory. problem <laughs> ranks? i have follow-up questions all right never mind. <laughs> i was talking to my friend the other day and i was like i should start a patreon where i talk about star trek but tangent into to movies that i've watched off my shelf so then it's ob- opposite of what i actually do on the podcast <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay, that's weird, but sure. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I think it'd be hilarious. Synergy. Yep. Exactly, right? Um, look, if I find it, I mean, I'm like 90% sure somebody has been in Star Trek. I would not be surprised. Because like I keep saying, somebody from Star Trek is in everything. Look there, found it. Star Back. Trek Enterprise had. Oh, the president, Tommy Tiny Lister.
3: There we go. Nice.
0: He was nice. in it. He has been um, in
2: many things.
0: He played um, Kling. Oh, that would be a Klingon, I believe, in the episode Broken a- Broken Bow from two thousand and one.
1: Is he- it different from a Klingon? Sorry played Klingon.
0: No, he played Kling the Klingon.
1: Ah. Yeah, okay.
0: I be- I believe Klang was a Klingon. Yes,
1: I didn't I go- watch it all the way through, but I feel like
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is happening on this show?
1: <laughs> Klang the Klingon.
0: Good. Let's see. Let's have a Star Trek. Yeah, Kling was a Klingon courier um, in the service of the Klingon High Council. There you go. Cool. Found it. See? <laughs> there is there is always one. Sometimes it just takes me an extra minute, okay?
1: Yep. <laughs> hey. Well, I feel like we can wrap up then. Yeah, no, yes. no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've, I've made the, the Star Trek reference has come into play, so it's fine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's it for this episode of Off My Shelf. Until next time, you can follow along on Instagram and Twitter at ownmyshelf, oh or you can send an email to ownmyshelf oh at gmail.com. On the next episode is the annual Christmas extravaganza. This year, I'm doing something a little different. I've asked each of my guests to pick their favorite holiday episode of a show. We'll be talking about their selections, some holiday fun, and general, generally having a great time. I'll be posting a list soon, so look out for that. Hope you'll be here to listen.